actually didn't think of how exactly to start talking about the new Barbie movie. Um, hi Eugene and Barbie anyone girl. else who happens to in listen to this. Uh, yeah, Something I guess plastic. That works. It's fantastic. Um, there we go. I led you in. You can go ahead yeah. and uh, do that thing. Also, I don't know if it's Discord or my computer or what. The audio of you, Brent, that I'm hearing is kind of dipping in and out. So if I don't hear or ask you to say something again, it's probably some technical thing going on on my end, I guess. I don't know. Okay. Um, who should I blame I for Discord's this? Discord's being weird today. Uh um but yeah okay uh so yeah so i uh saw the barbie movie yesterday i did not yes. see oppenheimer i will not be seeing oppenheimer it sounds depressing so i don't want to thank you mr nolan um I, I'm I, sure your movie is very good i just uh, don't want to feel devastated like your audiences are apparently feeling when they walk out of it i really wish i had seen it for the meme but we didn't mm. plan it that way, so... Oh, yeah, I mean, I didn't even know for sure that I was going to see the Barbie movie in theater or if I was going to wait, because the, gr- the group I usually go to movies with, I'd mentioned Barbie, like, a month or two ago, and it sounded like they were interested, but then I mentioned it again, and they didn't sound interested, so I decided to just go see it myself. Um, I will say it was... So when I... I booked my tickets a day before I saw it, and the theater was empty at the time. And it, it was a 2.15 Friday, you know, afternoon showing. So, you know, like, the evening showings were all, you know, lots of people signed up for those. Nobody was really signing up for the afternoon one. So I figured it would be like Spider-Verse, where I would have a weirdly mostly empty theater, and it would just be nice and quiet. And no, it was somewhere in that 24 hours a lot of people signed up and then decided to come to the you know there must have been like 50 people who walked past you know in front of my field of view while i was watching that movie you know partly because of the seat i picked but also just like people coming in late people going to the bathroom people coming back from the bathroom people leaving early um there were like a lot of kids there who honestly i think got kind of bored probably halfway through when the this movie goes places that i don't think a lot of people were expecting it to go um and i i mean overall i you know i i was asked if i liked the movie and i'm like i don't know kind of i mean kind of yes kind of i don't know i don't care I don't know. It's it's a very weird, complicated movie, um, and that's you know just kind of okay. So uh, like always, full spoilers. Um, yeah, spoil it. So uh, because it's funny, the short version of the plot is that um, Barbie goes to the real world because she's having thoughts like depression thoughts and has to find the person who is playing with a Barbie well feeling depressed and the thoughts are uh, on her you know uh, it, it turns out it's like the mother of a girl who is like stressed the mother is stressed out and so she's playing with barbies to you know 
work through her own stress and depression and stuff. Uh, meanwhile, Ken discovers that uh, in the real world, patriarchy is a thing, and he brings that back to Barbie Land, and all the Kens, you know, take over Barbie Land and brainwash the Barbies, and then they have to unbrainwash the Barbies so they can uh, end sexism kinda I guess and then Barbie realizes she hasn't had a character arc and so she talks to her creator in a white void oh, about God. her existential feelings of what she wants to do with her life um, they did the fucking nostalgia critic thing <laughs> I guess yeah I, it's been so long since I watched nostalgia critic I don't remember what his uh, uh his like character whatever arcs were, the, but, Whatever the sci-fi movie, the the um, oh the collaboration movie, boldly flee. Yeah, right at the end he talks yeah. to himself, and it's the most pretentious thing I've, <laughs> I've ever seen. Uh, anyway, let's not talk about that piece of shit. Just go ahead. Yeah, I think of of the uh, Channel Awesome movies, that's the one I watched the least times, like yeah. once, maybe twice. I, I think, think I, I only ever. You know, watch them all once um because they're like even even at the time i was like they're kind of entertaining but they're not that good <laughs> so, yeah they're, yeah they're I think entertaining I, I probably, for the people in them i guess but yeah like i probably watched kick the most just because uh you know it's simpler in its premise you know like the first one they did was just all these people meet up and have a big fight uh and then they did kickassia which is like slightly more of a plot of we take over a tiny house-sized country and then start backstabbing and have a big fight yeah um but yeah okay so do you want to have a big fight uh what do you want to have Sorry. a big fight? Um, well, let me see if I can figure out what's going on with it. I can't quite hear. Uh, maybe I'll just turn I the said, volume up and then I'll hear. There we I go. said, maybe. do you want to have a big fight? Uh, what, on our podcast? Yeah. We can, we I don't can know get, how that would work. We can get really cheap costumes. And, I mean, I, I guess... Practically, it would just be putting in a bunch of stupid sound effects and um, yeah. us just like yeah, we just screaming make like Dragon we Ball hit. Dragon Ball Z noises back and forth. Yeah, I I could do maybe like a, a power up scream, but I don't really feel like it right now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> if I was in a better mood, I might. But uh, no. Yeah, it would um, spike our otherwise usually pretty low uh, volume curve. Yeah. I'm just going to talk really low in ASMR-like for the rest mm. of the episode. Um, that way nobody would be able to hear me or care what I have to say. Mm. I'm also going to breathe really close to the mic. Um, okay, so I'm done. let's see. Okay. Yeah, I was you just talk about notes. Barbie. <laughs> I had to so. type out the Barbie plot so I could remember, uh, you know, make sure that I remember all of it because it's, uh, a lot. Um, okay. So, detailed Barbie plot. Uh, feel free to react and hopefully, 
the audio lets me hear what you're saying. Otherwise, I'll just stop and ask again. Um, Gasp. Okay. So, uh, Margot Robbie is playing stereotypical Barbie. That is the, the version of Barbie she is. Um, she the lives in Barbie one. Land. Is a country or a, a city or whatever. It, it, it's a a world that at one point there's like a character in the Mattel boardroom who asks like the the you know CEO board of executives like so is Barbie Land like a parallel dimension or an imaginary reality and they just look at him and go yes and that's the movie's way of saying don't worry about it it's not supposed to make sense Um, but yeah there is some kind of alternate reality something where Barbie lives, and there's a bunch of women all named Barbie, and they have different jobs. There's, you know, President Barbie and Nobel Prize winner Barbie, and, um, yeah, just, you know, the there's Barbies with all the jobs, and they do all the stuff, and they believe that, um, because they are empowered women, that the women in the real world must also be similarly empowered by the concept of barbie and you know girl power and stuff you know um, I, I feel like when I, when you get to the point where you're president like people should just call you barbara mm. yeah but i guess since all of them are named barbie they just you know refer to each other as barbie um mm. and the, like they do make references to some of the you know those like skipper gets uh well, Skipper gets to appear briefly later. She's just kind of mentioned earlier. Um, and there's like there's a bunch of Kens who are just like sidekicks. They don't really have jobs for the most part. Like the the main one, Ryan Gosling's Ken, is Beach Ken. It it's not a job. He, he's just he he is on the beach, and he's good at being on the beach. Um, Hmm. and beaching off the other cans i guess um just but yeah the, oh, there God. is there's uh, also one alan um who is like a <laughs> i think like a 70s maybe 60s uh Ooh. other male doll in the barbie line who appeared and there's just like one version of him there and he's just like nice and quiet um, did barbie break up with ken and get with alan for a, a minute uh, I mean, well, Alan actually—he—he he, kind of plays like the gay best friend in this, like you know, because I mentioned uh, you know the the Kens taking over. Uh, Alan is the one who, at first, tries to escape because he doesn't like the toxic masculinity that the Kens are suddenly all about, um, and then he works with the Barbies to unbrainwash the Barbies so the Barbies can be in charge again. Because he just likes how pleasant it is. Good for him. Um, yeah. Um, but yeah, so um, so Ken, uh, at least this main version of Ken. The other Kens all just seem to you know do whatever. Um, but th- this the Ryan Gosling Ken uh, is only happy when Barbie notices him. And, like, compliments him and stuff. If Barbie is not noticing him, his self-esteem just plummets. Because his whole identity is based around this idea that he must be with Barbie. And there for Barbie and everything. Um, Barbie, everything in her world is, you know, perfect and wonderful. 
until she's in like the middle of a party and suddenly starts having thoughts of death um and it's just like an offhand thing she's like does anybody ever think about dying and they all stop and stare at her like what the fuck is wrong with you um and then the following day suddenly all everything seems to be going wrong for her she's like tripping and her toast is burnt and her feet are suddenly flat instead of always on tiptoe um and so they tell her to go to weird barbie who is play i think it's kate mckinnon is uh playing weird barbie um she is you know she's got like crayon on her forehead her hair has been cut she's always doing the splits she is a Barbie who got played with too hard. She is the one who has that world map of what the real world looks like. Um, and <laughs> she explains that Barbie, that there must be someone out in the real world who is having, you know, these like depression, anxiety thoughts and is working them out through Barbies. And so Barbie has to travel to the real world to find that person and help them. Um, so Barbie sets out. Uh, the, the journey to the real world is kind of just like a slideshow of, like, travel in a car, and then on a boat, and then on a rocket ship, and then on a ski-mobile. Um, uh, I, I'm sorry, so, but can I just uh, interject for a minute? Yep. When when you just said that she's on a, a quest to, um, like, stop this depressed person from playing with her, uh, her yep. doll version, I was, <laughs> I was just think, thinking, like, the cutaway gag of like the it's always sunny gag of like they just say like the the weird barbie says that and the screen just goes black with white text like barbie cures depression um, mm. and that yeah i mean well that well, that's where it starts i mean eventually it becomes barbie cures sexism and patriarchy um and then barbie oh, contemplates oh. the meaning of life but uh yeah, so so Barbie is heading to the real world. Ken, um, like, stows away in her car, but you know, like she finds out early, like he's there. Uh, Ken basically, it, it's a mix of he was dared by the other Kens to tag along, and also his whole, you know, sense of self revolves around Barbie. So Ken tags along. Uh, he brought his neon roller skates, of course, because he goes nowhere without them. Yeah. Um, so, so they travel to Los Angeles, and they're roller skating around, and everyone is looking at them like they're weirdos, you know, came out of an 80s toy commercial, um, and Barbie discovers that the men in the real world aren't so nice to women, they, you know, there's, uh, they, you know, they're making, like, lewd comments and stuff, um, and she, at one point, like, she goes up to like a bunch of construction workers expecting like oh this this will be a fun pleasant conversation and they all start you know making like sexist jokes at her um and then she's like i don't have a vagina and ken doesn't have a penis and then ken is like actually i do have a penis because he's embarrassed that you know barbie just outed him it's a kid's Um, movie yeah yeah i mean i think there were a lot of like five-year-old girls in this theater expecting probably you know like the straight to dvd barbie movies and this is not that um, hey girls ken doesn't have a penis yeah <laughs> yeah I mean, I yeah mean, no they, i mean they, they, they say vagina that... and penis and then talk about you know having or not having genitalia so 
Well, yeah. Um, there goes the yeah, G rating. Yeah. So then, you know, there's like some shenanigans of they get arrested because, you know, like they go to try on some outfits and they're like, you have to pay for those and they don't have money. So they run away and then they get arrested. Um, but, uh, yeah. So then Barbie realizes, like, she doesn't know who she's looking for. So she, like, sits on a park bench and meditates and sees visions of a girl who looks like, you know, she's having a tough time. Uh, and figures out, like, what school that girl's at. Um, Ken, meanwhile, uh, you know, he's, like, sent away to go... He's, he's being distracting, so Barbie sends him to just go, you know, walk around. And that's when he discovers that, like, men are in charge of everything. And people are taking notice of him just because he's a man. Someone, you know, asks him for the time, and he's just like, Wow, somebody actually noticed me enough to ask, you know, for the time, even though I don't have a watch. And I can't answer that question. <laughs> Um, so then he, he, like, he goes to the library and he checks out a bunch of books about, like, why men are the best and what patriarchy is and how it works, and also books on horses, because for some reason he thinks patriarchy has something to do with horses. Um, and... Wait, I, I, I have to figure out this connection. Mm. Uh, is there some kind of pun there? I, I don't know. Um... I mean, I don't know, and also, because him and Barbie are both in Western outfits by that point. They just <laughs> found them in a shop, and that's what they were trying on, and then, yeah, Ken becomes obsessed with patriarchy and also horses. Alright, I, I was hoping there was a pun there. Um, Th there probably I, is, I just haven't figured out what it is. Okay, uh, I, this is gonna hurt my brain now, mm -hmm. um, but you can, you can continue, I'll just um, sit here and toil in agony. Yeah, so Barbie goes to the school, finds the girl. The girl is, like, super mean to her. She's like, you know, I hate Barbies, I hate everything you stand for, you make women feel bad about themselves. I think she calls her, like, a fascist at one point. And, like, Barbie Good walks Lord. away crying. Um, and then the, the people at Mattel discover, you know, so Mattel, the corporation, is in the movie. It's run by Will Ferrell, who's... Once again, like in the Lego movie, playing the Lord CEO business. of a, you know, big business. Um, Mattel finds out that Barbie is loose in the world, and also Ken. They're not super worried about Ken, but they are worried about Barbie, because there was a previous time that a version of Skipper came into the real world and kidnapped a girl. Um, so they uh, um, send these, like, black vans to go uh, get Barbie. And bring her back to the Mattel company. Um, and she doesn't know what's going on with that. So she willingly you know, gets in the van. Um, and then she's brought back to Mattel. They try to get her to go into her box. Which I guess will reset her or something. Um, but then she slips out and runs away. Um, as she's escaping through the Mattel headquarters. She... Uh, uh, finds a room with this old woman in there who just like gives her some advice. I mention this because it comes back later. Um, so she escapes from Mattel and uh, gets away in the SUV of the mother of the girl who she had previously gotten yelled at. Um, because that mother turns out she is an employee at Mattel who has been very stressed out 
and working that out through you know designing new barbies who have realistic problems like depression um and that is all kind of rubbed off on stereotypical barbie so um so they barbie decides you know she needs to take the mother and daughter to barbie land uh so they can i don't know work things out or something um but ken got back there first and he brought patriarchy with him so when they get back to barbie land they find it's been turned into the kendom and uh <laughs> the kens are have like taken all the houses all the barbies have been like brainwashed to think it's great to serve uh brewski beers to the kens the kens you know they 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 sit around, they watch TV, they drink whiskey beers, they have these, like, inflatable pool motorcycles that they ride on. Uh, they, they're all wearing, like, douchey dude bro, like, muscle shirts and, uh, oh my God. you know, big, like, pimp jackets and stuff. Um, and also horses. You know, they've got, like, big screen TVs that are just showing horses galloping all the time. Um, they've got, like, saloon doors built into the, the dream houses that they've converted into their man cave houses. Great, perfect. Um, so, Barb... Hmm? Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, oh, okay, <laughs> I didn't know you were saying something. No, um, not anything important. Okay, so, yeah, so Barbie is distraught that the world has fallen apart because of Ken, and, you know, it... Uh, Ken, yes, is a jerk, but also it's, you know, in part because he just feels, you know, like nobody pays attention to him and, or, you know, this one woman who he's made his whole identity about isn't paying attention to him, so he <clears throat> just is acting out. Um, you know, becoming like full men's rights activist kind of dude bro asshole. Um, so Barbie just kind of collapses in just the existential despair um so the mother and daughter attempt to leave you know they're just gonna leave it all behind them and that's when you know they're driving off and alan's in the back scene is like take me with you i hate this the kens are awful i want everything to go back to the way it was um so then they decide to turn around and they go find barbie and bring her back to weird barbie where um you know weird barbie is trying to find a way to like undo the brainwashing um and so the mother ends up going on this like long rant about all of the frustrations and contradictions with being a woman in society and like you're expected to be one thing but you're also expected to be the opposite thing and you have all of these pressures and stuff and you know giving voice to all of that breaks the barbies in earshot from their trance um and so they you know figure uh that they 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 come up with a plan to have like the barbies who are unbrainwashed distract the kens so they can pull their respective barbie girlfriends away and unbrainwash them one by one um and then once they have them all and there's also like a ticking time clock on this that in 24 hours the kens are planning to hold a vote to change the constitution uh to make it official that kens are in charge of everything and barbies have no rights or whatever um so they unbrainwash the barbies and then turn the kens against each other by having basically like they all go down to the beach and the kens are all 
you know, guy with guitar, like acoustic guitar, singing the same <laughs> shitty song to each of their respective Barbies. And then at the end of the song, the Barbies all start, you know, leaving and going to different Kens to make the Kens jealous of each other so that the Kens will all have a big beach fight. Um, which is, you know, it's still like just like a silly slapstick fight. They're like shooting sticky arrows at each other and uh, just like having a big dance-off fight thing. Um, also, the CEOs from Mattel walk in because they followed them back to Barbie Land, and I, I don't even remember exactly how that part of the storyline wrapped up. Um, but, but the Barbies all, you know vote to have Barbies continue to be in charge of everything and that undoes all the Ken shit um and then uh let me check my notes am I forgetting anything uh okay so so the Barbies have their big vote uh Ken our main Ken has like a break crying breakdown and Barbie tells him you know he needs to figure out how to be Ken and not you know Barbie and Ken you know, like, he has to figure out how to be a person on his own. Um, you know, he can't make himself entirely dependent on her for his own self-esteem. Um, and then, I think that's when, like, the CEOs show up, and then the mother who is, um, you know, an employee there, who, I, I think she tried pitching the depression Barbie idea, and they're like, no, that's not gonna sell, we're not doing that. So she pitches the idea of an ordinary Barbie who has no labels and no expectations and, you know, the girls playing with it can just project whatever they want onto it. And then they're like, oh, that'll make a lot of money. Yeah, we'll do that. Um, and that's when they're then like, oh, but um, this, you know, our main character stereotypical Barbie hasn't really had any kind of like character growth or personal anything throughout this whole movie. Uh, which is when the old woman from Mattel returns, and they explain that she is the ghost of Ruth... Not, I don't remember her last name. Um, Bader Ginsburg. Uh, well, it's the creator of Barbie. Um, yeah. You know, the, this Ruth, the creator of Barbie, explains that yeah, like she you know made the original Barbie, and it was named after her daughter, and you know she'd hoped that like Barbie could you know be anything and become anything, and and that's when Barbie and Ruth have their like existential conversation in a white void about you know what Barbie wants out of life and how she wants she doesn't just want to be an idea for other people to project onto she wants to be able to have her own ideas um so barbie's conclusion is that she decides to live in the real world and just be a regular woman um and yep that's that's the barbie movie it goes places the pacing was kind of weird um it felt at times like the writers didn't know what to do next so they just kept doing stuff until it led somewhere um the yeah, kids who that... came out to see the movie all got pretty bored once uh, it started getting into like uh you know addressing sexism in society and the existential angst of uh you know just everything yeah, th this might just be because I'm hearing it secondhand, but it kind of feels like it says a lot to not actually say that much. Uh, 
Hmm. Well, like I said, I haven't actually seen it. I'm just listening to it secondhand. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's a movie that I, I, I'm very curious, you know, like I know that there's a lot of different takes people have. Um, I, I, I'm curious to see what other people's opinions are, aside from the people who are like, this is too woke, they, they can fuck off. But um, for like any anyone yeah, else, I mean, five. Like, you know, what do people actually think of this movie? I'm I'm curious because it feels like a movie that uh, yeah it says a lot of things, but isn't at, you know like they they kind of half-ass a solution to the whole sexism thing because you can't solve that in two and a half hours and also you know they like they kind of dance with having a discussion on it but also yeah. not. It's kind of just like voicing things that it are, you know, shitty. Yeah, um, it, it sounds like corporate progressivism. <laughs> which, yeah, uh, yeah, and it's like I, like I don't know. I feel like everywhere the, because the movie is more like a about ideas, but not solutions to the ideas. That there's probably somebody this movie resonates with, but I, I feel like probably most people it won't. Yeah, and that's why, like, I came out of the movie like, well, I enjoyed some of that, and I didn't not enjoy it, but also I don't feel like I ever need to watch it a second time. Hmm. So, I don't know. It's it's weird. It's complicated. Is it better than the GI Joe movie? Um, it's better than the first GI Joe movie. I am a weirdo who enjoyed the second G.I. Joe movie as a cheesy action schlock thing. Also because I, I, I never saw the G.I. Joe cartoons, so I went into the first movie and I'm like, why is there no guy named Joe? And then the second movie had a guy <laughs> named Joe. So <laughs> the 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 G.I. the classic G.I. Joe cartoon, it, it's the worst of those eighties um commercial cartoons. Yeah. Like He Man is better, Transformers is better, like well, I mean, I guess it's the worst of the, like the the really popular ones, but like, yeah, it's probably yeah. better than like Mask or one of those things. You only yeah, hear, like the, hear the from. ones people actually remember well. Yeah, and that you know continue to get rebooted to try to find uh, that money that they made forty years yeah. ago of the brands that still exist. Yeah, um, Thundercats is also better, but that's less mm. of that thing. That was, I think that. Yeah, that was and get, made and to sell toys, but it it was less about that. I maybe I don't remember. Mm. Yeah, Barbie is also a better movie than Snake Eyes, a movie that I watched like five minutes of on Amazon Prime, and then I got bored and I switched it off. Fair. Um, let's see I what other toy have no investment in Snake Eyes. Is it better than Toy Story 4? No. Okay. Um, what other toy base? Is it better than Small Soldiers? I should watch that one sometime. Because I remember the Burger King toys when it came out. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I've never actually seen it. it it's not great, but there's a mm. lot of funny moments in it. Yeah, I mostly it's... remember like a cool eyeball alien thing. Yeah, it, it's it's kind of like Gremlins, except not as good. Yeah. 
um, yeah, that that might be the best explanation I can have for it. Yeah, it's a worse Gremlins. Yeah, I mean it's you know it it's a mo- the like a lot of the jokes in it are funny, but uh, the movie it's it there's just script and pacing problems to it. Yeah, and just like trying to figure out like what like what is the movie trying to be? What's it? I guess you know like. I'd say what's it trying to say. I can kind of tell what it's trying to say. It just doesn't really commit to like a simplified version of it because it's trying to tackle a complex issue in a movie about a toy line. Yeah, so like there's a... I, there's like a topic but not a point. Is, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's like... It, yeah, it's I, a, I get that with a lot of like corporate... Um, like corporate products that try to say something. Yeah, it's like it, 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 it feel feels like those. it's ambitious, but not didn't quite Com- get there. Ambitious, but not competent. I, um, I guess, yeah. Hmm. That might be too harsh. I don't know. Yeah, I, 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 yeah, I don't know. At at what point it just didn't quite come together, but yeah, like, I don't yeah. know. It, it's trying to be about things. Um, and I, I am, you know, genuinely curious to see, uh, you know, yeah. what what the other people who went into the movie wanting to like it um, thought about it coming out of it. Yeah, let's see, like, I, I, I get your basic feelings about it because I felt that about a lot of things. <laughs> um, but yeah. since I haven't seen it, I can't really, you know, pin it down. And that's also why I'm, you know, kind of curious how the whole Barbenheimer thing is going to pan out, because, like Oppenheimer, it, you know, I, I'm sure it has like just the existential dread of nuclear war and nuclear weapons, um, and then the Barbie movie that seemed like the fun silly contrast is probably still a fun silly contrast, but also it's about the existential angst of being a woman in modern society. Yeah. So it. It, it's not actually like the Animal Crossing Doom Eternal thing, where like one is just a silly little um, cute kids animal game, um, yeah. and the other is a gore fest uh, yeah. shooter. Yeah, no the I, the tonal clash I don't think is quite as stark as you would think it would be looking at the trailers. Weird. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's it's a very like all I can describe it as is it's a very strange movie. I don't even know whether to say it's good or bad. It just it's a thing. Uh, I don't know that I can recommend seeing it if you weren't already interested. But if this crazy description sounds interesting, then sure, I guess. I don't know. Barbie seems like the kind of movie I would watch on Netflix. Like yeah. five years after it came. Yeah, out. yeah. If you can watch it for free at home, then sure give it a shot um you know it's not as funny uh, well I, I don't know i mean it does have jokes i was gonna say it's not as funny as like the brady bunch movie but it's got kind of similarities <laughs> to that of you know you know trying to take like a you know pure and perfect and innocent property and then have it come into contact with the way the world actually works 
I guess. I don't the, know. the the funny thing about the Brady Bunch movie is that I haven't seen it in like twenty years. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I still remember it. Uh, somehow. Uh, even mm. though I was probably too young to even understand like everything, like all the jokes. Yeah, I think I watched it like a year or two ago on. It was free on Amazon. Yeah. I must have seen it, like, slightly more recently than then, because I think there's a... Anyway, we don't need to talk about the Brady Bunch movie. Yeah, I mean, we've already oh. done 30 minutes on Barbie, and we've got a bunch of Disney movies to talk about, and also a Disney musical that I've now watched four times, because... Yeah. Somehow this silly little stage play has made me feel more than every movie I've seen this year. Yeah, it, it it's it's really good, and we're not going to say the name of it until we talk about it. Uh, I mean, should we talk about that first, or do we want to talk about your updates on the Disney Watch Along? I feel like that of should which be last, right? Okay. Like, like uh, I talk about how much I like the, the last... Um, actual disney musical that i just watched yesterday um and also this morning Mm. um and then we talk about the the non-disney musical that eviscerates disney musicals um Mm. um, so yeah i watched four disney four more disney movies since uh the last recording um yep first one is fox and the hound which which is about the metal gear unit fox sound and its origins yes yes um i mean it does have kurt russell in it so Mm. i mean it it does have the uh originator of the snake look yep um if if it it takes way too long to get to to the like military um part though Mm. Like most of it is just about the animals. It's like foxhound origins. Yeah. Um, also, there's a bear, um, and the bear like constantly shits himself, and it's really funny. <laughs> yeah, I was trying to think if there's any of the you know named characters who are like adjective bear, and I, you know I, I can't think of one. You'd, you'd think that with. Uh, uh, Metal Gear Solid 3 with the whole Cold War aesthetic they would have one that's like the Russian bear yeah but no uh, that's the one where they had the, like the end and the sorrow and the fury they were all just like the adjective instead of yeah adjective animal I am plasma bear mm. um, I have nebulous powers <laughs> this gotta be like a Metal Gear Solid uh, like name generator out there it's just like let's just get a bunch of fun adjectives and animal names and uh and then you can just randomize them i'm gonna look that up now yeah me too um but oh here we go metal gear solid name generator um let's see what this is no this looks like it just wants to steal my data yeah um, but okay, so Fox and the Hound. Well, I'm looking for something fun. Oh, here um, we go. Uh, Metal Gear Solid Codename Generator. Uh, first one, Tricky Ram. Randomized. Fire Ram. Ghost Leopard. Gold Gecko. Frenzy Moose. Revolver Duck. <laughs> I call Rage Frenzy Possum. Moose. Lucky Meat. 
Thunder Otter. <laughs> Wild Raven. Thunder Leech. Dead Scorpion. Thorny Hair. <laughs> Sorrow Mongoose. Iron Hound. Dead Hound. Elite oh Hair. Blade Duck. Hey, that's uh, Leon's catch for the new uh, Dice Monk season. Blade Duck. Um, Frozen Blade Leech. Duck. Brass Wolverine. Nice. Frost Pronghorn. What? Ghost Armadillo. Elite Crab. Elite Bat. <laughs> Sniper Scorpion. Arctic Duck. Thunder nice. De Hole. Uh, Red Butterfly. Fire Wolverine. Yeah, they're recycling a lot of these. Glass Falcon. Ice Moth. Wonder Stallion. Guilty Mole. Silent Ram. Hey, yeah. with that one again. Electric Frog. I like Wild Guilty Possum. Mole. Mm. Yeah, the sequel to Guilty Gear. Guilty Mole. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's see if uh, funnier ones to show up. Swift Camel. Glass Alpaca. Uh, Quiet Kangaroo. Yeah, that's funny. Um, yeah, this is the perchance.org randomizer. If anybody wants to try looking for it, I probably won't bother saving it. Um, okay, so Fox and the Hound, a movie that's actually about sad things. And probably yeah. less sad things, but I mostly remember it being about sad things. Um, yeah, I mean, the, it's there's like Bambi, the... Right? It's like, yeah, I mean, cute friends, the and first... then they grow up, and then things are bad. The first two minutes is Bambi, specifically the part where the mom gets shot by a hunter. No. Oh, um, yeah. Okay, so it starts off sad. Yeah. Yeah, like the the fox uh, hides its baby by a post, and then uh, runs off, and you hear a gunshot. And then there's a, a friendly owl uh, who goes up to the fox, and basically tricks it tricks a woman into adopting it um a nice old woman mm. um and then like while while it's still a baby it makes friends with the um a hound yeah a hound i was trying to think of a specific breed but i don't actually know no um, i'll look it up But yeah, uh, makes friends with the hound. Um, the titular hound. Yeah. As seen they, in The Fox and the Hound 2, the movie that takes place while they're still kids. <laughs> I mean, it's the only time it could take place. Yeah. Um, yeah, so they, they meet, they play, they have fun. Um, but then the owner of the hounds is a hunter and he just randomly sees a fox on his property and he thinks it's gonna uh, steal its chickens um so he starts shooting at it and then uh so they the fox runs off uh he and the old woman have words they're neighbors they hate each other um and then there's like a time skip after he brings the hound hunting up. The hound's name is Copper. But, mm. um, and the fox's name is Todd, which is a weirdly... <laughs> it's like, here's here's Copper the dog and Todd the fox. 
it, it's kind of weird, but we yeah, I'm looking on the the wiki. It linked me to the wiki page for hounds, and now I'm looking at all of them. Uh, would you say he's a basset hound? I mean, that, that looks basset kind of hounds. The, the legs are a little stubbier, but yeah, basset hounds are usually shorter. Like it, it's a basset hound in um, the Great Mouse Detective. Mm. I know that. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, I've never seen a tall basset hound. I don't think. Yeah, I don't know. Beagle Harrier kind of looks like it. I don't know. Some of these Maybe. seem more specific. Uh, bloodhound? Would you say is a bloodhound? It. It's probably a bloodhound. Yeah, it has the foldy. Well, it's it's maybe not as wrinkly as a blood. Um, we'll, we'll call him a bloodhound. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. There's also some of these breeds that say foxhound, so maybe it, it's just one foxhound and also a fox. The fox. I mean, and the I fox guess. Hound. I guess it would make sense <laughs> if he was a foxhound. Uh, right. Fate was written uh, in the stars. Yeah. They're destined to fight. They're, they're two sides of the same coin. Yeah. Um, they're, the, they're the same, but they're always looking opposite directions. And when are they going to make the um, fox and the hound anime? That's that's just Ace Combat Zero. Mm. Um, I mean, there's actually a lot of anime where. It's like, oh, it's two friends, and now they fight. That's yeah, just fucking like, Naruto. Yeah, just, yeah. Childhood friends, Naruto. and then, you know, differences in life, and now they must fight, and it's tragic. That's literally Naruto. Oh, my yeah. God. Oh. Naruto, the fox and the hound adaptation. And that's why Naruto is the nine-tailed Nar- fox. Yeah, yeah Naruto is literally, literally, literally the fox. And the fox is the without hound. parents. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm just thinking of names like Amos Uchiha. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny as shit. Um, anyway, so yeah, they uh, <clears throat> they're friends. Their human parents don't like them being friends uh, because the woman doesn't want her fox pet being shot and. Uh, the hunter guy uh, shoots foxes, um, yep. which is enough for him, I guess. Yep, he's an angry old hunter man. Yep, likes to kill animals. Yep. So he leaves half a year on a hunting trip. I guess that's just a thing that happens in like early twentieth century um, backwoods America. Yeah. Um. So when when they get back, the fox and the hound are all grown up, and the hound is like, "Dude, you can't talk to me anymore. They're they're gonna literally kill you." Um, it was fun, but we're not friends anymore. Go away. Mm. And the fox is heartbroken. Um, um, and the hunter sees them, and see he sees the fox and tries to shoot him, and shit goes really sideways uh um it is it, the fox ends up uh like jumping in the car of her of his uh owner um and and the hunter shoots at it, at it 
shoots at her car and she's like what the fuck are you doing mm. and she takes his gun and shoot shoots his engine mm. um is a badass granny yeah. um i like that part um and that that's like the last well it's not the last uh part with levity but um the rest of the movie gets pretty sad um yeah they have to grow up and deal yeah. with racism yeah so yeah, they racism. they've they've already come to the point uh where like they they know they can't be friends anymore by their situation Hmm. Even though they both want to be, uh, yeah, but, yeah, it's just the social pressures of uh, the mostly the one guy who just really wants to murder that fox because it's a fox. Yeah, yeah, mostly just the hunter who is like, hey, because I assume the granny doesn't have any issue with the dog wanting to hang out with the fox. It's just the guy with the gun who's ruining everything. Yeah, I mean, she kind of wants to, I guess she wants to keep the fox safe, so she might be overprotective, but she still lets him out, so not really. Yeah. Um, nah, she's fine. Yeah. She's cool. She's a cool fox mom. Um, yeah. It's the sad story of how one douchebag with a gun ruined a very nice friendship. Yeah. But I mean, animals can't talk in real life, so... Mm. Um, I guess it's not as sad, but, uh, uh, anyway, uh, yeah, so eventually some shit goes down, the fox tries to talk to the hound one more time, um, and the, the older hunting dog, uh, chases after him, and almost gets hit by a train and falls off a cliff, and his leg is broken, um, and then Copper the Hound it, it basically like look what you did i'll fucking kill you if i ever see you again i'll kill you mm. um yeah and the, then the the woman is so worried about her fox that uh she knows she can't keep him around anymore so uh she drives him to a nature preserve and just where there's it's supposed to be no hunting like prohibited by law mm. um and she lets him go and on the car ride there's a, there's a really uh really sad poem about how much she loves her fox and how much uh they need each other and how much it hurts her to let him go and mm. i cried like a fucking baby for like 20 minutes um, I had to pause the movie and like like sit in bed for a while, mm. uh, and then I recovered. Uh, it's really sad. Um, uh, losing pets is hard, mm. and I can't fucking handle it. Yeah, uh, that's 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 the biggest takeaway for me uh, is that I'm kind of a little bitch when it comes to animals. Uh, so, well, yeah, I mean, it's you know. Like that whole era of animated movies, you know, like the the Bluth era, it seemed like there's just like a lot of those like really big gut punch moments. Yeah, but not not like Pixar of like the last 
eight years or ten yeah, years. Yeah, yeah, like Pixar from Toy Story three onward has gotten into their uh, movie must have big gut punch to be satisfying um yeah. phase. Yeah. I it it feels like Fox and the Hound was always going that way, whereas uh a lot of the Pixar ones are just kind of out of nowhere. Yeah. At least the ones I've seen, I haven't seen all of them. Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, and then then there's like some happy times again. The fox meets a lady fox, and he's very awkward because he's ba- he's basically like the homeschool kid that has to go to a public high school. Um, uh, and then, uh, the hunter who wants revenge on the fox for hurting his hunting dog um, is illegally hunting in the preserve, gets a bunch of bear traps and stuff to uh, flush them out. Um, and there's just like a, a 15 minute sequence of the fox being hunted, the fox and his uh, uh, mate being hunted. Um, and eventually it gets to the point where there's like a bear involved and the the bear is like about to kill everybody mm. um but the bear doesn't get caught in any of the bear traps no the bear traps are gone like they they've gotten past the bear trap like the the fox at this point he's gotten past the bear traps he's gotten past the uh the part where they're they're stuck in a foxhole and the the hunter like tries to flush them out with fire mm. and uh him, he and his mate just like burst out the fire hole um, and run off, and that part's actually really cool. Like, like it's it's actually a really good sequence, like action sequence for a Disney movie. Mm. Um, I find that usually they're pretty anticlimactic. Like even even in a lot of the movies I like. Because, because it's like oh like oh there's big music and action but really it's like what's gonna happen like are they really gonna run this bitch through with a ship uh like mm. they're not gonna do that and then they do and that's the exception uh <laughs> but like usually yeah i mean i guess like Disney the ending of the lion king good. is just like simba through scar and then the hyenas turned on him yeah like like the the whole fight with scar at the end it's like oh they pounce on each other and then they throw each other off it's like yeah like oh they they hit each other in the face but like there's no visible damage right like not even like like a claw mark Um, yeah it's like the end of the snes lion king game where you just have to keep jumping on scar until you get him right near the edge of the cliff but not quite at the edge of the cliff because then you have to jump over him and grapple him and throw him over and it takes forever. <laughs> but otherwise, I, you're just, like, slapping him in the face constantly <laughs> until he, like, backs up to <laughs> just right at the spot where you need to throw him. I think I played that one once when I was a kid, and I couldn't get past the oh, um, yeah. can't-wait-to-be-king level. Yeah, no, the, the, like, the game is a pain the in the ass if you don't use cheats. Um, I don't remember if I ever beat it without cheating. I've definitely played all the levels, though. I might have given myself infinite lives or yeah. something to get through that. The Aladdin game was pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That one holds up, I think. Probably. Yeah. I don't know. I haven't played um, it in so long. 
But it was Capcom, so at least it was, you know, like a good company making it. Yeah. They also made uh, the Goof Troop game. Hmm. Um, which is a really good... It's a really weird, like, isometric adventure game. Oh, yeah. Um, I should like probably the, check and see if it's on my... Em- it's got to be on my emulator. It's got, like, all the SNES games on there. Yeah, it's a good two-player game. Um, if it if it was on um, the the Switch service, we could play it. Hmm. But it, yeah, I'm sure like, it's not. Like they have a collection that's like all the Aladdin games and Lion King games and Jungle Book games. I don't think they've added any of the others though. Yeah, now I wish we could play Goof Troop. Mm. Yeah, um, I remember my cousin had like two Mickey Mouse games on SNES, and they were both hard as fuck. But I think one of them was a Capcom game. It's like Mickey Mouse Haunted Circus or something. Was, uh. What is it? Castle of Illusion is the one people talk uh, about. I, I mean, that, that might have been on another Genesis? one. Because I, I definitely. Like, there was. Like, Mickey Mouse. Like, Magical Quest or something. Was. I mean, one yeah, of them, there I was think. probably like dozens. It's like there was uh, that. The one I played more often was one where, like, the first level <clears throat> was, like, at a circus and there's, like, these blocks that that have like a mickey symbol on them and you can like grab them and throw them at things and um i don't think i ever beat that game though you know old games are hard yeah they are um but anyway the fox is fox on the run Uh, yeah so the the situation is the the hunter and the hound are chasing after the fox and his mate um his foxy girlfriend they yeah who who I'm sure there's no furry porn of at all, which, I mean, I guess at that point it's not even furry, it's just bestiality. Oh, yeah, um, I mean, they gotta make them stand on their hind legs first. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they eventually, like, start running up a mountain and there's a bear, and, uh, the bear starts attacking, uh, the hound and the fox, uh, has to run back and save him because he still cares about him. Um, then there's a whole tense situation where the bear's chasing the fox and he can't get away. And they end up falling down a waterfall. Um, and the theme song starts playing like an anime. Yeah. <laughs> Don't lose your way. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, so yeah, the the fox uh, washes up on the shore and the hunter is about to shoot him and the hound just stands over his body to protect him and the hunter is just like yeah I guess let's go home um, and that's the end mm. like I, I I respect the fox and the hound more than I like it um, like like it's it's good but also like how much is how much is there to it right mm. like it's it's kind of yeah basic. it's just one of those you know kind of sad coming of age tales for you know kids to you know be exposed to sad things i guess yeah yeah i definitely had it on vhs and watched it but it's one that didn't really stick with me you know in my imagination in any way 
Yeah. I honestly feel like I might like it more if the, the older hunting dog actually dies instead of just having his leg broken. Mm. Um, because at that point, it's, it's like, oh, the, it's a, it's an old hunting dog. He had to be retired eventually. So, mm. I mean, <laughs> I, I don't know. Like, if he died, it would feel more important. Like, the figure, the forgiveness would feel more important, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, being that mad at Todd. Like, they tried to kill Todd, and then he accidentally led the dog into being hurt. And to yeah. hold it against him that hard is, uh, yeah, a bit much. Yeah. But if he died, there would at least be, like, a reasonable um, feeling there. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I I like it, but it's not one I think I'll ever rewatch unless I I really need to cry f- for some reason. Mm. And even um, then, you've always got like Inside Out, um, or you know whatever Pixar movie uh, is your yeah. one to go to to cry. It's not that hard to make me cry. Um, but it's just very specific things that do it. Mm. And I, I guess, I guess, pets is like the the biggest one. Mm. Um, um. So what was the next one? Uh, uh, Black the Cauldron. Black Cauldron, the most memorable Which, of all of them. It 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 might be the best. It's the best looking um, Disney movie. Mm. Uh, I mean, they, they definitely did more. You know, almost like the the Bakshi Lord of the Rings that came out, you know, in the 70s. Yeah, so it was the, um, you know, those the like experimental rotoscope. Yeah, of like yeah. layering photographs with animation and yeah. doing like smoke effects and stuff. Yeah, like the the animation itself is good, but the 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 background, like the art, is just mm. it's like damn. Like some of that could be matte painting for an actual movie, and I wouldn't, <laughs> I would barely notice. Mm. Um, but yeah, yeah, I mean, like the story and characters are just fine. It's basic fantasy stuff. Like it's, uh, you know, yeah. like you've seen Star Wars, you've seen Lord of the Rings, you've seen, um fucking Aragon <laughs> like it's yeah I mean like there is a rumor I don't know if it's true or not that uh Andy Serkis based his Gollum performance at least in part on Gergi from this movie it, you know, there's definitely is. a similarity to those characters in the way they talk and they move yeah they it, it I was thinking that as I was watching it like, I remember the? the first time I watched it was in college, because it's one of those ones that, like, it got a re-release in the 90s that I never watched, but I saw the commercials, and I thought the Horn King looked cool. Um, so I finally got around to watching it in college, and I just, most of what I thought was, like, well, we got this bobble that kind of looks like Navi from Ocarina of Time, uh, and the princess kind of seems like Zelda, and it, you know, we got Gurgi who's kind of like Gollum, and there's just all these things in it that feel like I don't know if they directly inspired other fantasy things, but th- there's a lot of similarities to it. Okay, hey, we so, fucked up. Well, I, I well, fucked up. 
Probably. Well, we'll we'll, we'll see how it looks in editing. Um, if it seems like the previous conversation on probably the Black Cauldron cuts a little short, that's because some, you know, technical error or something happened. Um, and assuming that the previous mouse detective conversation, uh, disappeared, um, we'll just talk about it again. Hopefully not say the same things that are, well, I mean, I guess it'd be new. Um, it'd be new about, to you. Um, how it's a good movie, and uh, Vincent Price's Radigan is really fun, and yeah. um, and there's a mouse striptease scene that we didn't talk about in our previous conversation that's probably lost to time. Yeah, I think I'm making um, too much of that scene. I mean, it's just kind of funny that it's even there. <laughs> yeah, it, it is. Like, just it's it's only funny because it's a Disney movie, and there's like a. Yeah, they go to like a seedy pirate bar, disguised yeah. as pirates, and you know, looking for information on Radigan. And there is like a dancing juggler octopus, and then he gets booed off the stage because they're racist against octopuses. And uh, then a sexy mouse comes out, starts singing a soft song, and then like curtain pulls down, curtain pulls back, and suddenly she's you know like like wearing like a leg garter and like pulling off her dress and has like a onesie yeah. bathing suit under it and yeah she's, she's doing like a high leg kick dance she's just in like a a revealing leotard type thing yeah um, yeah so it it is it is what you're saying it is like yeah. <laughs> there's no other there's no other way to interpret it yeah um yeah, and she's singing about, like, I'll take off all my, I, I want to say, she's singing, like, I'll take off all my blues, but it kind of sounds like I'll take off all my clothes, is what she's saying. Yeah, I think, I think she, I, I think she, she says, uh, she's talking about, like, entertaining them. Um, yeah. Like, I, I forget the, the words. It's like, it's not that big a part of the movie, it, it was just, it was just you said that there was like a mouse striptease, and I was like, "Wait, what?" Yeah, <laughs> I mean, kind of, she did have clothes and then take them off, so that is a, yeah. a strip show. They they didn't show her taking them off, which I guess was well. The, I, I mean, it was just like kind of a, a step quick, too far. Because after the curtain reopens, she has it, it's a different outfit, but it still has like an upper layer that she then takes off. Yeah. She's she's got like the coat that she takes off. Yeah. And to show off her deep V dress. Yeah. Or not not even dress, just uh whatever you would call that showgirl outfit. Um Yeah. It's kinda weird. <laughs> um mm. but also it makes sense as a distraction, so yeah, well, yeah, because that leads to um, Watson that leads to the, getting drunk. Oh, he was already cat. drunk, but he's he's drunk and enamored with her, and then stumbles around and ends up starting a bar fight. Yep. Yeah, he gets on stage and starts dancing with her. Yeah. Uh, yeah, which leads to the bar fight, which leads to them getting captured, which leads to. The most extravagant death trap I've ever seen. Yeah, um, yeah. He couldn't settle on one, so he did all of them. Yeah. So, 
Let's see, what is it? There's a there's a crossbow, there's a gun. Yeah. There's a crossbow, there's a gun, there's an anvil hanging overhead. Yeah. Um, there's at least and it's one all more. like rigged to like the mousetrap board game kinda you know, rolling ball <laughs> thing. Yeah. Oh yeah. And, they're, and they're, they're on a mousetrap. They're they're yeah, laying they're on, on a mousetrap. Mouse yeah. That's going to like snap trap. and cut their heads off. And then yeah. like shot with a crossbow, shot with a gun, anvil dropped on them. Also, yeah, the, the only... there's a giant axe too because when he disrupts the trap, um, he like shoots the arrow that like shoots the gun that shoots its bullet at the axe, so it falls in a way that splits the mouse trap, and then the anvil falls, and they're not there. Yep. Um. And and also the the bottle that the little girl stuck in uh, gets yeah. blown apart. Um, and then there's the camera. So smile, everyone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Although Radigan was dead before he would have been able to check out the photo, so that's yeah, unfortunate. That kind of he doesn't sucks. get to see smug yeah. Basil and friends. But in the, front of the a camera. The best. The best part is that the trap is tied to um, a, a recording. Uh, yeah. Like a, a record recording. Um, of like a vinyl. Uh, yeah, like record. Radigan recorded an LP of uh, his uh, <laughs> yeah, song about himself. how Basil's going to die. <laughs> yeah, he recorded himself saying a song like "Goodbye like, oh, so soon," and isn't yeah. it a crime? I know. Yeah, yeah. So I don't remember all the lyrics, but he re- he recorded himself singing about how he's gonna die at his own death trap. It's it, it's yeah. it's the most extra thing I've ever seen yeah. out of it. He's Disney been villain. thinking about this for a long time. Oh yeah, longer uh, than it would have taken to just capture Basil. Right, right. Yeah, like this is this is nine steps beyond like your average uh, Bond villain. Yeah. Um. It's great. Uh, Radigan is great. Um, Basil is great. Uh, the other characters are kind of just there. Um, <laughs> to yeah, be honest, Robo like, Queen, I, I like and yeah. little rat guy or you know bat guy. Um, yeah, yeah. What I don't remember his name. Um, I, I want to believe it starts with the F. Yeah, yeah. That's all I remember. Uh, yeah, it's not really important. Um, yeah, yeah. There's a you know little bat henchman with like a croaky voice. Yeah, but uh, yeah, Watson is fun. He he doesn't do much, but he's nice to have around, just like every other Sherlock Holmes story. Mm. Um, and oh yeah, there's a dog named Toby, and Toby is yeah. a very good boy. And you got Felicia, the pampered fat cat, who is uh, <laughs> Radigan's personal rancor that he feeds people to. <laughs> yeah, that's that's such a cold-blooded scene. Yeah, um, yeah, it's just in the middle of you know they're singing a song about Radigan and how evil he is, which also is weirdly dark because there's like a part it's like, uh, it's like you're so evil, worse than the widows and orphans you drowned. Yeah, <laughs> like he's murdered people um but yeah in the middle of them singing praises to him one of his henchmen gets drunk and isn't on tune so he leads him outside and feeds him to his cat 
And then gets back in and threatens to kill the others if they don't go back to singing. It, it's it's not that he was on tune, it's that he, he got drunk and uh, he finished the Oh line yeah, he and, called him a rat. Uh, yeah. yeah. And uh, Radigan is very insecure about being a rat and not a mouse. Yeah. yeah. Um, so Vincent Price is damn good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, I mean, he, he is in everything. He, he's very... He's just got that voice, I guess. Um, yeah. He was made to play a villain. Even though he doesn't in, like, half his movies. Yeah, I mean, I think he did it more in, like, you know, like, the old campy horror movies that he did in, yeah, like, like, the 50s and 60s. House on Haunted Hill, where he he is revealed to be the villain later. Spoilers. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, like, Great great Mouse Detective is, it's just a really good time. Um, What what you, I, I think it was you who said it, um, that... It's kind of a musical, but it doesn't feel like one because all the songs are diegetic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you know, because yeah, because I can remember you know a fair amount of the lyrics of "Goodbye So Soon" and the you know uh, "Radigan, Radigan, the world." You know, it, it, like his 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 song, and then the you know there's like the the dance song that I can't remember at the moment. But if if it ever gets back in my brain, it'll be stuck there for a while. Um, yeah. But yeah, all three of them happen in ways that are in the scene. It's you know, like the the closest one to being like a musical moment is the Radigan song. But even that has the interruption in the middle to remind you that no, the, this is actually they are being told to sing this song right. because that's just Radigan likes it. It's, you know, not like in most musicals where, you know, you understand as a viewer that everybody stopping to, you know, do their, you know, flash mob dance thing is not a normal, you know, not to be taken as, like, a thing that's, you know, actually happening. It's just, right. that's how, how these stories are told. Yeah, it it is technically a Disney musical, it just doesn't feel like one. Yeah, um, yeah, and that's. I mean, it's uh, not like they sing every five minutes either. Yeah, yeah, because you know, and I think I talked about last episode how like a lot of the Disney movies that I like tend to be the ones that aren't musicals, like you know, Atlantis and Treasure Planet and Lilo and Stitch. Kind of is, but I mean, like that, you know, that's more like the jukebox musical of you know, kind of like what Tarzan did, where they have like one artist for Lilo and Stitch. It's Elvis who just has like songs that are played in the background but aren't um aren't things the characters themselves are singing um yeah and those movies tend to be the less popular like the the straight on disney musicals tend to be the ones that are you know like the the renaissance ones uh you know like the big ones that are better regarded yeah but yeah like mouse detective is kind of halfway between on that yeah, I mean, I I wouldn't call Mouse Detective a musical. I mean, it has like three songs, but most of it. Yeah. Like, like there, there's not any big, like, yeah, character defining it, numbers. It, it's yeah, yeah. It's, it's just it's part an of the story. Movie with some notable music. Yeah. 
yeah, I mean, it's if anything, it's like a crime drama. <laughs> um, mm. uh, so, uh, Oliver and Company, it's the other one. Um, yeah, I, I had thought about watching it, but I didn't quite get around to it. I I like Oliver and Company a little too much. <laughs> <laughs> like I, I I watched it yesterday I really enjoyed it I watched it again this morning um, Is that one like Mouse Detective Because I remember At least one of the songs The one where they're all dancing in traffic And it's you know why should I worry Why should I care Um it, It's it's more like a regular me- musical okay. Like there's I I think the only song That would be kind of diegetic is the um what's it called good company where it's the the little girl singing to oliver like Mm. we'll be together forever um right before he gets stolen (laughs) Mm. the irony yeah but like the the there's an there's an opening song sung by huey lewis um what once upon a time in new york city which is actually a, a really good song like just by itself um and yeah that that's just a song that plays while you see oliver's backstory like uh, oh he was he he was put in a box on the street full of his brother and sister kittens um mm. and then everybody got adopted but him and he was alone and it started raining and the box broke open and he got like flushed uh into the street and he just started running mm. uh, and he he ended up just like sleeping on the tire of a bulldozer or something uh, so some kind of like construction equipment um uh and then he wakes up and then he just starts dancing uh <laughs> along to a kid with a beatbox uh uh what's the word i'm looking for a boom box uh, on the street boom. okay yeah um and he's hungry so he tries to get hot dogs from the hot dog vendor and then he meets dodger uh billy joel uh, <laughs> uh who he I guess he's cool. Like he's supposed to be the cool guy, mm. but he's just kind of a dick. Um, yeah, but he's got sunglasses. Yeah, he does. Not all the time. Yeah. Uh, during his song, he does. Um, yeah. He he looks pretty cool then. Um, but yeah, he he employs Oliver to help him. Well, I guess the cat because he doesn't have his name yet. I don't. I don't mm. think. But I mean, it's Oliver Twist. Um, yeah. Not a very, not a super faithful version of Oliver Twist, but... Yeah, no, I mean, it's it's displaced in time and species. Yeah. Um, Does he ever say, please, sir, I want some more? No. Like... Okay, um, it's, yeah, it's not a close adaptation at all. Like, aside from, like, the, the class um, angle, it's not much of an adaptation of Oliver Twist at all, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I haven't um, read the book, so I don't know if uh, that one actually ended with the boss of what's his name, Flanagan, or um, some the Fagan, the the boss of all the the orphans. Um, 
because uh, I, I mean, all I remember, like Oliver and Twist, or no, Oliver and Company. Um, <laughs> aside from the stuff you've mentioned, which is now coming back to me, uh, is that it ends with the boss of that guy who actually does care about the, you know, his animals in this version. Um, yeah. That guy's boss has like evil dogs and is like chasing him on like a subway track, but he's driving a car on the subway track and it's kind of a Cruella Deville thing. You know, it just gets all like fiery and sparks everywhere and stuff. Yeah. And I don't know if the actual Oliver Twist ends with a chase scene through a thing or, or, or probably not. I don't remember because I I read it once in high school and I completely put most of it out of my memory. Yeah, I mean it, it's uh, Charles Dickens. It's not going to be that exciting. Yeah, I mean it's yeah, he's he's more uh, author of like theme and dialogue rather than uh, like action big scenes. action sequences. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's not even he's not even like Shakespeare where like there's some there's usually some kind of big huge climax where a lot of people die it's just um no the system either wins or loses in the end yeah um yeah i think christmas carol is like the most exciting thing he's done yeah and even then it's just like oh we're back in time look how much yeah. of a good person you are hey look we're yeah. in the future you're gonna fucking die change yeah um uh but yeah, Oliver and Company. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. So he so he meets the cool dog. Yeah. yeah um, he meets the cool dog. Um, and and he he's like, uh, "Hey kid, help me out, and uh, we'll steal some food food from this hot dog cart, um, so you won't go hungry." And then he does that, and then he doesn't give him any food. <laughs> so Oliver's like. Hey, what the fuck? Uh, mm. Look, I helped you get those. You owe me some food, and then he had, and then Dodger has a song. He's like, why should I worry? Why should I care? Oh, so that <laughs> song is just him saying "fuck you." Basically, yeah. Okay. I mean, he the most he, memorable what he song says. What what he says is is like, hey kid, consider it a lesson on the on the streets. You can't trust anybody but yourself. But like mm. when you when you put it when you put it into context, it, like why should I worry? Why should I care? It's like why should I worry about what I owe you? Why should I care about you? Get the fuck away is what it yeah. sounds like. Um yeah, in context it's a really dick move, um, by the like I, I, I said this in Discord, but um like he's supposed to be like the the rough around the edges cool guy with a mm. heart of gold, but there's no heart of gold. He's just kind of a dick. Um, more of a dash so yeah, render than a Han Solo. I I do I understand half that reference. Yeah, you're not supposed to know um, who Dash Rendar is. You're too deep in the paint <laughs> if you know. He's the guy from I mean, Shadows if of the you, Empire. He's, you, you might know him from the N64 game where he had no personality. But that's also I kind have, of the I've, point. He's, he's like the shitty smuggler one. who shows up when Han Solo's gone. And, uh, and Leia's like, you, oh, Han was actually something special because you fucking suck. You, you've probably told me about him before. Yeah. Um, 
I don't know. Dungeons but, and Daddies references him, you know, sometimes just because they're also big dorks. <laughs> yeah, they are big dorks. Um, where was I? Uh, he stole the food. Oh, yeah. yeah, I'll... So Oliver follows follows him back to his um, his hideout on the docks with all the other dogs, um, and then he basically breaks through the the hole in the ceiling and is like, "Hey, I helped you get food. Give uh, give me food." <laughs> mm. uh, uh, and all the other dogs are like, "Dodger, what the fuck?" Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> Um, and then he becomes part of the family, um, and they have the 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 best the best song in the movie, um, which uh, I forget what the name of it is, but it's like it, it's the one where the uh, the female dog sings it. Um, mm. Not not the not the not Georgette, not the okay. So it's not the one you posted. preppy dog. No, it's uh, I forget her name. It's like Rita or something. Oh. Um, she's with the orphan dogs, which is what I've decided to call them. Mm. Um, and it's like if you know what you're doing, the streets are paved with gold. But it's like a, it's like a fun, upbeat, uh, type song. Um, that they only play like one minute of in the movie, <laughs> but the the full song is pretty good. Um. Yeah, and then they they like run a con where like they they have one of the dogs act, act like he got hit by a car. Mm. Um. So the people inside get out. Um. And then they they. I don't know what their plan was. I I think their plan was to hotwire the car <laughs> and do something with it. I don't. <laughs> Oh, was that, they had like the, the little chihuahua or something. Was yeah, the the, the Marin chihuahua, yeah. which I which I could see people maybe being mad about it being a, a stereotype if it wasn't Cheech Marin who mm. just presents himself like that um, every day. Yeah. Um. Uh. But yeah, so they try to hotwire the car. It doesn't work. Oliver gets trapped in the wires. Um. But it turns out that it's the the car of a rich girl and her butler, um, and they adopt Oliver. And the butler's like, "Oh, Georgette will not be happy about this." Um, and then it's Georgette's uh, song, which is it's 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 really just a look at me, I'm a stuck up bitch song. But it's it's perfect. It's amazing. Um, mm. Let's see what what are what are some of the I think it's called Perfect Isn't Easy. Um, let me think of the lyrics that really stuck out to me. Um, All right, I will Google it while you're at it, so I can. Okay. Oh no. Okay. Uh, let me read the lyrics um, in a, wait, a normal wait. voice, so it'll be funny because I don't know the tune. Girl, we've got work okay, to do. You... Pass me the yeah. paint and glue. Perfect isn't easy, but it's me. When one knows the world is watching, one does what one must. Some minor adjustments, darling. Not for my vanity, but for humanity. Each little step a pose. See how the breeding shows. Sometimes it's too much for even me. 
When all of the world Ugh. says yes, then who am I to say no? Don't ask a mutt to strut like a showgirl. No, girl, you need a pro. Not a flea or a flaw. Take a peek at that paw. La da da di da di da. Perfection becomes me, Nississippa. Um, I it's do the howling. Um, do the howling. <laughs> unrivaled, unruffled, I'm beauty unleashed. Yeah, jaws drop, heart stop. So classic and classy. We're not talking lassie. La a ooh a roo. Rough, 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 rough a row. <laughs> Though many covet my bone and bowl, they're barking up the wrong tree, you pretty pups all over the city. I have your hearts, and you have my pity. Pretty is nice, but still, it's just pretty. Perfect, my dear, is me. That was the part. Yeah. <laughs> I, I remembered the lyrics by the time you said it, but it was funny, so I just let you go. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's funny to read songs when you have you can't remember the tune. You know, I've seen the movie, it's, it's been... Uh, uh, God, probably 15 years at least it, it's it might not be the best movie i might just really like it a lot for some reason um, yeah i mean i mean i i definitely remember stuff about it now that you're talking about it yeah the the G georgette the uh, stuck up dog is played by bet midler so yeah. it, it's really over the top and fun um uh, and then, like immediately after that song, they they go to the. There's like one one scene in between, and then they go to the song with the the little girls singing about um, how her and Oliver will be together forever, mm. and it's it's really cute. Like I, you know, I hate some kid characters, um, and I feel like I should hate this kid character, but it's just so sincere and cute that i can't mm. um so was fagin I, the name i was thinking of earlier it wasn't Flanagan, yeah fagin fagin yeah fagin the 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 ringleader of the orphans yeah i i i don't i i think it's the same name from the book but like i said it's been forever yeah because um, that's the thing like i I haven't read the book, but from what I remember, you know, through osmosis, I got the sense that Fagin was more of a bad guy in the book than in the Oliver and Company version, where it seemed like he did care about and, you know, was, like, looking after these dogs, even though he does have them, you know, running cons for him. Yeah. I mean, in this one, he just, like, lets his dogs go and they bring him back whatever junk they find. Yeah. Which I guess occasionally is like a wallet with some money in it. Um, oh yeah, and the 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 bigger conflict in the movie is that uh, Fagin had at some point borrowed money from this. Like they don't actually say it, but like he's a mob boss um, yeah. named Sykes. Yeah, a mob boss who doesn't have any henchmen aside from two Dobermans. Yeah, um, which is kind of weird, but don't think about it. Um, yeah, uh, he's he's got henchmen somewhere. You just don't see him. Yeah, so Oliver gets adopted by the the rich girl, whose parents are away because they don't love her. Uh, mm. I mean, they don't they don't say that, yeah. um, but it's implied. They're also uh, busy. Everyone's yeah. busy doing stuff off screen. They're too they're too busy making money to raise their daughter. Um, mm. 
They're too yeah, busy snorting so... cocaine because it's the 80s. <laughs> no shit. Um, um, yeah, so... Uh, yeah, so all the dogs think that they took Oliver and that like, he's like being tortured in the mansion. Um, so they they like break in and uh, take him back. And Georgette helps him because she's really jealous of him and doesn't want all the attention taking, taken away from herself. Um, and then Fagin... Uh, comes up with the plot when when he sees that Oliver has this like big expensive golden collar on to ransom the cat back to its owner because he thinks it's an adult um so he he writes a ransom note and sticks it in the front door um mm. and Jenny the the girl reads it uh, it was like who would steal a cat <laughs> yeah um, and in instead of you know bringing you know, thousands of dollars in money to ransom the cat. She just walks out with Georgette, like without the butler. Like <laughs> it's raining. Like she's in she's in her raincoat, just like on some uh, seedy New York dock. Um, and F- Fagin finds her and is like, "Hey, little girl, what are you doing out here? It's not safe." And she's like, "Somebody stole my cat, and I brought my piggy bank to get it back." And he's like, oh, holy shit, I've made a mistake. Mm. Um, so he he pretends to not know anything about it um, and just pretends to find Oliver like five feet away from where they are. Um, but he told Sykes about ransoming the cat for the money. And so he, he basically... <laughs> Um, drives up to them, kidnaps the little girl, and tells Fagin, um, like, like, look, we're even, just don't tell anybody about this, um, but Fagin has a conscience, so him and all his dogs chase after them, um, to get, uh, Jenny back. I want to call her Penny because it's the rescuers, but her name is Jenny. Um, and they look <laughs> very similar, just like a little sad redheaded girl. Um, mm. Yeah, so now it's the action scene where, uh, like, oh, they're they're following Sykes in his car, and all the dogs are running alongside. Um, and I, I've I forget exactly what happens. It, it ends up where. Uh, yeah, they're riding on the... They end up on the subway. Like, all the... Fagin and all the dogs and Penny end up in, like, a, a shopping cart that that's on a scooter um, that's running along the tracks, and uh, Sykes' car is behind them. Um, like, Dodger somehow... Is that, is that even his name? I, uh, <laughs> I don't remember. Let me check. I had the... I got the page open, because I was... I, you know, Present. Yeah, Dodger. Okay, uh, because yep. like he he's essentially the most famous character from from the movie, but like I just don't like him. So, mm. um, yeah. I mean, let's see. Okay, so we got Dodger is a mongrel. I mean, Oliver's the cat. 
Uh, Tito the yeah. Chihuahua, Einstein the yep. Great Dane, Rita the Saluki, yeah. and Francis the Bulldog. Uh, it was Rita. The other dogs. Uh, also, Sykes yep. has two Dobermans named Roscoe and DeSoto. Yep. They they get a couple lines near the beginning just to show that they're assholes. Yeah. Um, and they can talk too, like all the other animals in this world. Yep. So they 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 have that scene at the beginning pretty much just to justify them um dying horribly at at the mm. end. Um yeah. <laughs> because they they're like fighting Dodger on top of the car. Um and then they they get thrown off onto the subway track and they get electrocuted. Mm. Yeah, I, I remember the, that end f- fight chase scene being scary as a kid. Yeah, because of, like, it's the, the electric, you know, like the, the electric tracks and like the car driving on the electric tracks and stuff. Some something about the presentation yeah. of it was scary, but I don't remember. Yeah, I mean, it it is definitely a lot darker, like not not even darker, like uh, tone wise, just. Uh, like actual color wise it's the darkest thing in the movie hmm. um and like even like it doesn't it doesn't get to fox and the hound levels with the animal violence where like they they show them like looking feral like about to attack each other hmm. um but like the dogs are going for the neck on each other um and it's more family friendly than fox and the hound in that regard but uh, like, yeah. well, yeah. I mean, it, it's more of an action climax. It's not trying to have the dramatic weight of right of what Fox and the Helm was doing. Right. Um, yeah, and then they're they're riding on the subway, and there there's an oncoming car, and I think Dodger gets Oliver out 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 of Sykes's car at the last second, and jumps into the shopping cart, and then they jump off the track, and then. Sykes' car gets run over by a New York subway and falls into the river, and he's dead. Yep. Um, but, I mean, he's a mob boss. Who cares except anybody who was working for him? <laughs> who would yeah. presumably call in Fagan's debt at some point, but we're going to ignore that. Yeah, I don't know, maybe erase the records when the you know someone else took over that mob. Yeah. We're going to pretend like everything's okay. Yeah, uh, I was glancing through the Oliver Twist. I guess there is a character named Bill Sykes in Oliver Twist who beats his wife to death. So, Okay, fun. well. Yeah. yeah, he's not a good guy. You don't have to feel bad about him drowning in a river in this version. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he doesn't... He doesn't mention a wife in Oliver and Company. Nah, he's already um, beat her to death before the movie started. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Like, the, the worst thing Sykes does in the movie is, like, intimidate Fagin, basically saying, look, give me the money or I'm gonna fucking kill you. Yeah. Um, and he he's on a phone call with somebody talking about cement shoes. Um, um, so, yeah. He's definitely a boss, so like he has henchmen, but you just never see any of them. And he he decides to deal with this homeless guy who borrowed money from him. Like it couldn't have even been that much money. Um, mm. But yeah, anyway, yeah, um, yeah. Then 
then Jenny has a birthday, and all the all the dogs and Fagin are invited, and it's it's a very happy ending. Um, and all the all the orphan dogs uh, tell Oliver goodbye. We'll see you later. Um, and then they do a reprise of uh, "Why Should I Worry," which is "Why Should We Worry," where they're all like surfing on cars mm. <laughs> in New York traffic. Uh, it's cool. I really like it. Uh, it might not be as good as some of the other movies that are about to come up, mm. but um, yeah, we're, it's we're in finally my heart. getting to the point of the uh, you know the Renaissance and like big memorable movies. Yeah, fucking Little Mermaid is next. Yeah, um, so just That's in a big time in- for the uh, live action one to come to. I, I think it's digital rental. It's not on Disney Plus yet. Yep. Just in time for me to still not watch it. <laughs> yep. I don't think I've seen any live action remakes aside. Not on purpose, anyway. Mm. Uh, and I'm not about to start now. Mm. Um. Yep. Anyway, talk about your Jafar movie. Yeah, yeah, we should talk about uh, the best thing I've seen this year, possibly. Although it, it it's actually it's ten years old, so uh, it it's not from twenty twenty three. It's from twenty thirteen, unfortunately, which means all the DVD copies are gone. So, but it, it still exists on YouTube, um, which is where I discovered it because I don't know. I was just browsing stuff on youtube and then youtube's like hey do you want to watch this musical about jafar uh it's two hours i'm like uh i guess i'll start watching it and then i started watching it and then i liked it and then i posted it and i'm like i'm gonna keep watching this and if it turns bad then i'll just uh unrecommend it uh but it didn't no, it turn just bad gets it better. turned even better and better <laughs> as it went on yeah nope. x2 so, is like three times as good as act one and act one is damn pretty yeah. fucking good yep so it's a musical from 2013 called twisted by a group called team star kid they've done a bunch of other musicals i haven't watched any of the others yet i'm sure yeah. they're probably as good but my investment's a little higher when you're doing something about aladdin and also other disney stuff um yeah that, it I, is a I riff think... on wicked the musical about uh, how uh, the Wicked Witch of the West it was actually the hero. I mean, it's based on a book. Um, you know, a, a, a twisted version of the Wizard of Oz, where actually Elphaba, the the Wicked Witch, was a good person, and Glinda was a bitch, and and stuff. I haven't actually seen or read it, but. This is like a play on that where they're doing Disney tropes and focusing specifically on, you know, a a retold version of Jafar, who is a good person trying to do good in the world, and everyone else is either an asshole or a moron. Um, And yeah, (laughs) pretty much. There's just a lot of fun jokes, fun quotes, and a genuine heart to it that caught me by surprise. uh, it's all yeah. your fault, Jafar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The running gag with the captain of the guard is, just, is everything is it's all your fault, Jafar. If you would only fix the socioeconomic uh, differences, <laughs> like you said you would, there wouldn't be any thieving going on. 
<laughs> also, the the dude who plays him is like seven feet tall. Yeah. Yeah, and then, um, like, you know, and, and any of the gags that they do where they're recontextualizing things that are happen that happened in Aladdin, that they're like some maniac rode an elephant through the street and say, "What a, a parade? You didn't have any permits? No, the streets weren't cleared. The apple carts they were all turned over." <laughs> Uh, <laughs> threw money on the ground and people trampled each other to death to get it before the peacocks got to them. <laughs> and yeah, like the version of Aladdin in this, it, he is just a sociopathic asshole. Yeah, uh, like he just he wants to get laid, and uh, I mean, like even like God, I, I on the fourth viewing of this because I've seen it four times now. I wrote down some lines. So, like, one of the funny lines, you know, Aladdin, he does, you know, the quote from the movie, um, I only steal what I can't afford, and that's everything. I steal everything. <laughs> yeah, and he just goes into a song yeah, about they, it. Make a, they make a whole song about it. Yeah, just a full song about how he just, he, he just steals everything. He doesn't want a job. Uh, he, um... <laughs> Yeah, Wait, just... can I can I please <laughs> say the name of of his second song? Okay, uh, which is "Orphaned at 33 <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. Because he gets Jafar or no, he he gets Jasmine back to his house after you know. No, not Jasmine, the princess. Yeah, because Princess Jasmine is apparently copyrighted. Yeah, yeah, and even like because I have subtitles on on YouTube, and every time it says Jafar, it's like the original J A apostrophe F A R. Um, yeah, it's not you know Jafar as a single word, um, but it's it sounds the same. Yeah, I mean um, most of the other names in Aladdin are just like regular names. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Well, regular, I, I guess like maybe Jasmine Arabian names. I guess a character in the original. I think Thousand and One Nights is where the Aladdin story comes from. Yeah, um, I guess. But yeah, because that one's public domain. But um, but but they are able to say like Pixar, I guess because they changed it yeah. to Pixar instead of Pixar. Yeah. I, I I like when Aladdin says, "Oh, I steal anything: uh, bread, swords, intellectual property." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. It, it, also, like Prince Ahmed is a, a major character in it, even oh though like God, they have a song yeah. about how nobody remembers Ahmed because he was just a gag <laughs> in the original movie. Is like a prince who sh- this pompous prince who shows up, and then Jasmine sticks a tiger on him, and uh, tiger and fucker, tiger like, fucker, tiger yeah. fucker, tiger fucker. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because he like the second <laughs> act, he goes back to his kingdom to tell them that. You know, the princess of Agrabah, or the magic kingdom in this, um, sicked a tiger on him and it, you know, scratched him on the ass and his ass was bleeding. And all of his, you know, henchmen or soldiers are excited that their king, their prince fucked a tiger and they will not let it go. <laughs> He's like, no, I didn't fuck a tiger. But, but they're, they're just, they're so happy every time. It's like, yeah. tiger fucker, tiger fucker. They're, they're celebrating <laughs> his accomplishment. Yeah. Oh, and during the, during the Nobody Remembers Ahmed song, there's one who breaks it down. He's like, he fucked a tiger. Yeah. Like, yeah, like, and then, like, and then big theatrical. Like, the tiger reached around to grab my woody. Like, tiger fucker, t- no! And he pulls out a woody doll. <laughs> His arm's all messed up. Now I can't take him to cowboy camp. <laughs> it's just it's, you know, Toy Story 2 reference. Um, 
Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it is, you know, because it's from 2013, the, the whole thing about um, the two Ds, the, like uh, the Magic the Kingdom, one, used to celebrate the two Ds, devotion and duty, or, you know, 2D animation. Um, and, and then they make like a joke about how, you know, the two, we got rid of the two Ds, you know, we took all those animators and, you know, like, sacked them by putting them in sacks and then threw them out of a window. Um, so they're all dead. But, uh, like at the end, you know, part of the deal with buying Pixar is, you know, the kingdom of Pixar is that, uh, they, um, and all of this, I'm jumping around so much, this isn't going to make sense if you haven't watched it. So just go watch it. It's good, Eugene. Um, it's but, free. Uh, <laughs> it's yeah, free. but uh, the part of the deal with buying the Kingdom of Pixar is uh, that they need to bring back the 2Ds. And I assume because it was 2013, that's around when Princess and the Frog came out. So they probably thought, like, oh yeah, Disney's you know going to bring back 2D animation. And they did for like two movies, and then they stopped again. So that part hasn't aged that well. Isn't that actually around when, like, Frozen came out? Uh, yeah, because Pix... I don't know... Well, yeah, because this came out in November 2013, or at least the video was posted then. And that was when Frozen came out. Princess and the Frog, I think, was 2009 or 10, maybe? I don't know when they started writing this. Because, like, by the... Pixar acquisition happened around 2006. Um, yeah. cause that Princess was, was... and the Frog is 2009. Okay. Yeah, um, I don't know. Maybe the script, they were working on it for a while, or they just, you know, whatever, fudged it. Cause, yeah, because like, the yeah. Pixar acquisition was 2006, because Cars was the first movie that was going to be made without Disney... And then became the, you know, if you look at, like, the DVD boxes from the time, like, it, it went from, like, Disney Pixar to Disney Presents a Pixar Film to, you know, Cars was when it returned to being Disney Pixar because they were one company again. Um, but, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, there's just a lot of fun. Let's see, I wrote down other fun lines. <clears throat> On this fourth, let's see. Okay, so the opening song is uh, "Fuck You, Jafar," which is yep. you know it's a riff on the like Bell walking through the city at the start of Beauty and the Beast, reading a book. Except it's Jafar reading a book. Um, and Hooray, the baguettes. Yeah. So see, there, that, that, like, that one was really funny to me because me and my sister say that like every time we meet each other. Yeah, like there, there's a part that I didn't pick up on until like the second or third viewing where like he he goes up to you know the the guy who he either bought or loaned the book from. Um, I guess like the the library guy or whatever. He, he, um, yeah. He goes up to him and he's like talking about how much. Oh, I love this book. It's my favorite. Uh, and it it it, it would, it's wicked. He's reading wicked because he's like she's not evil. Uh. She's just green. Um, and then like the bookstore guy says, um, "Oh, so you think you're better than me just because you can read? Well, get out of my bookstore." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like just yeah, you know, funny. Like- and then like you know, like the part of the point of the song is Jafar thinks everyone else is delusional because they're just talking about dreams and it's idiotic. Um, and then, like, they're all dancing around him and they're like, I need six eggs. Why don't you buy some? I want to fly. Yeah. That's unrealistic. I want to be a cat. What? Fuck you. <laughs> and, <laughs> 
yeah. Yeah. Just, yeah, everybody's like dreaming of thing. And then like later, Jasmine has her I want song. And then like she just goes off like, I want the moon. I want to live on the moon and eat it in a pie and keep it as a pet and wear it like a gemstone in my hair. And someday soon, yeah. the people who say I'm just dreaming, like Father and Jafar, will see how wrong they are as I laugh in their faces through mouthfuls of moonbeam pie. <laughs> yeah, it's just, <laughs> it's just it a just stupid dream. Going. Yeah, she just wants the moon. Wants to live on the moon. Yeah. You can't stop her. It's her dream. <laughs> Although it does, I mean, it's fun, you know, like, there's, there's a part, I don't know if it's in the first act, where, like, she sits, she has, like, a father-daughter relationship with Jafar, which, twist, you find out at the end, he actually is her father. He just, you know, didn't realize it. Yeah. Um, but, um, you know, like, they're, they're, like, having a sit-down chat, and she says, like, she sees all, you know, the problems with, like, disparity and, like, people who are slaves, although at the same time, you know, she's she treats her slaves like shit because she has slaves but um she <laughs> says like i i want to make everyone a princess because that'll fix everything and he's like ah that's not a good idea at all but i like that you're having ideas um and then that comes back around at the end because like we have like a flashback to his youth when he was more optimistic and not you know broken and cynical and he sings about the golden rule do unto others as you would have them do unto you and then he like at the end when jasmine becomes the sultan and makes everyone a princess darn tootin um he you know sherazad points out to him that like that's the same thing as the golden rule the it, i mean it's it's a dumber way of going about it but she was yeah trying to get everyone to like treat each other with respect which is what jafar's whole goal was you know back when he first went to be a vizier i i like how internally consistent um the her, her uh ideals are even if she, she thinks about things in a dumb way yeah um like like when she tells her servant who works in her sweatshop like you work in a sweatshop you're perpetuating the problem yeah, you're, you're part of the system that's bad <laughs> yeah and the servants are just yes princess to everything she says but but she's also like no everybody should be the same everybody should be a princess so everybody should have to work in a sweatshop yeah uh, so she's technically consistent even though she's wrong in that moment yeah, and that was, like, um, right after she was, you know, ordering her servants to feed her grapes that she then yeah. just spits out. Yeah. Also, I like the fact that uh, a major part of the plot hinges on the sultan and his inverted penis. Yeah, yeah, like, the first time the sultan shows up, you know, the, this it, it's in, like, a flashback, uh, and they show the... Um, the previous vizier who's more like the movie jafar just this like sinister bastard of character but he introduces the sultan and the sultan comes out and then you know it's like the sultan will now speak and he's speaking in like a squeaky voice and it's funny but he he just he's like when i was young i pushed my penis back in and it hasn't come out yet anyway uh you can all speak now yeah it's just this like dumb non sequitur of a thing that he says and it becomes a plot point by the end 
that yeah. that Jasmine can't be his actual daughter because he pushed his penis in and he's he says that <laughs> twice like at, at later yeah, but... in the movie or in the play he's like just talking to Abu and uh, he's like oh did you know I pushed my penis in <laughs> it's just yeah. this dumb oh, thing it's... that he says <laughs> yeah like you, you think it's just like a little scene they have during the play to buy time for the actors to change uh, costumes yeah um <laughs> He's like talking to the monkey. He's like, "Is your penis an innie or an outie?" Yeah. And the monkey's like, "Innie." He's like, "We have something in common." Yeah. Um, and then he just leaves. And like, you think it's just to buy time? But it's just to remind you that his peepee don't work. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because in in the flashback, it's revealed that he that Jafar had met another like. You know, servant girl, you know, Sherazad from Thousand One Nights. Uh, they they have a song. Of, you know, Thousand One Nights becomes like a love song between them. Um, you know, like they they fell in love. They were, you know, she had just, like, just gotten pregnant with a child, and then um, he got his job as the vizier. And the Sultan first thing is like, I'm taking your wife and putting her in my harem because I'm the Sultan and I can do that. And so. And then she dies in childbirth after that. Um, and, you know, by the end of the play, he puts it together like, wait, Jasmine was born around the same time, and the Sultan has an any penis because of this stupid shit that he did. <laughs> so, uh, that means Jasmine's actually been my daughter all along, and I didn't realize it. Which, you know, kudos to the play for not making that. Like, if you had said that earlier and hadn't, like, earned it, it wouldn't have worked at all but yeah see they, they, here's the thing they they made the sultan like they they gave the sultan such like an over-the-top funny demeanor yeah that like first of all you'll remember that he said it because it's so fucking funny yeah but, and second of all you won't take it seriously because this is a fucking Disney parody. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's like and you're not a supposed to take every line either direct line seriously. reference jokes or meta jokes. You know the whole like Magic Kingdom and Pixar thing. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's it's just very well constructed. Yeah. For like an an, an independent. Um, yeah, just it's stage a, show play. Yeah, two-hour stage play with great costumes, uh, but you know it's all just on one set. There's not really set pieces to it. Yeah, yeah, like they 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 don't even barely have props. Like it's like <laughs> they they let you know that they don't have like super good props. By having a guy throw the magic carpet on the stage, yeah, and then run off waving his arms, yeah, and making, whooshing. yeah, whooshing noises, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. So then, yeah, like the whole like horny Aladdin thing. Honestly, like I, I picked up on, you know, when they were like they're making fun of all like the subliminal messaging innuendo. <laughs> you know, joke things, you know, they're, they're, like, they're doing their yeah. version of A Whole New World, and they're like, that pe- that priest has a boner, he's like, I think that's just his knees, um, 
and yeah and there's you know SFX. Like, like yeah sf you know it's like look at the stars they're telling us to fuck is it sfx and then later <laughs> in the song they're like you know look at the stars and the, the star there's like a star pattern on the backdrop that just yeah. says fuck each other fuck each other <laughs> yeah um but what i didn't pick up on for multiple right. viewings because i just forgot uh the you know aladdin saying take off your clothes it was you know the this oh yeah that's another a one. thing that yeah that you know it, it, i think it's like the scene where he's like getting um uh, what what's the tiger's name yeah he uh, raja, raja. trying to calm raja down he's saying like good tiger good yeah. kitty but it kind of sounds like he's mumbling take off your clothes and so they yeah. made that an entire song of him <laughs> like first attempting to you know like yeah. say one thing and then just say take off your clothes to you know like plant yeah. that idea in jasmine's head and then it becomes yeah, you, the you, whole new world song is just take off your clothes yeah he he's he's like oh look at the tower over there take off your clothes yeah oh look it's so phallic yeah um he's just trying to fuck her yeah the, yeah, yeah. He, he's just yeah it, it becomes that whole ballad is just him telling her to take off her clothes <laughs> and, which you know since i'd forgotten it was a reference i thought well that's a really clunky way to say i want to fuck you um yeah although that was another it's... another funny line i wrote down uh was uh when he's talking to jafar before they go to the cave and he goes like she's got these eyes that just and her butt and her toddies she's just so beautiful <laughs> fuckable <laughs> yeah yeah and then jafar is like so you know, so many like, lives oh, are then directly you, left to you have to survive yeah. the cave and then you can get your nut out your eternal nut out because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> in, in aladdin he says then you can get your reward yeah your eternal reward yeah but this Alan, the reward he wants is he wants to fuck the princess and he's you know he's like well if i get rich i can do that um and then yeah, he ends up getting you know it's like oh all that all that gold just turned into lava man but this ordinary lamp that you said was ordinary he had a genie in it and he sang a funny song um <laughs> and yeah like when the genie comes in later he is just movie quotes just like non sequitur <laughs> yeah. movie quotes he's he's like a 16 year old who start just started watching movies from like the 70s yeah uh so he's making like dirty harry references and shit. yeah yeah just uh, you know uh mrs robinson you're trying to seduce me <laughs> yeah. but then he also does like an austin powers it's like jafar tells him off yeah. he's like hey hey don't look at me like i'm freaking frankenstein uh, come here scott give, give your old man a hug <laughs> <laughs> And, <laughs> and it's it's all quotes. He does not make like a single line of actual yeah. his own dialogue. Yeah, he doesn't he doesn't say anything that isn't a direct quote from a movie. Yeah. Um because like G like Genie he makes all these random references that nobody Yeah in universe they had no get. reason to, you know, enjoy or entertain anything that he's saying. Yeah. And everybody thinks he's funny, but Jafar. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, when he shows up, uh, it's a very interesting dynamic when uh, he's making all these stupid references, and Jafar's like, "Look, 
shut the fuck up, either back me up. Wait, yeah, he said, either back me up or shut the fuck up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, and then, like, they get attacked by Ahmed and his soldiers, and uh, you know, it's like, retreat, and our moment of triumph, I think you under, or, uh, overestimate their chances. <laughs> and he's doing the, yeah. the Governor Tarkin Star Wars quote, and right. Jafar just turns to him and says, like, can you stop being an asshole for one minute? <laughs> yeah. Also, it's a really bad genie costume yeah 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 it's like a <laughs> crappy you know like a padded suit that he's drawn abs onto <laughs> little blue padded ears yeah we're like just like a little tuft of hair sticking <laughs> sticking yeah. out from under it yeah although with costume it's it's impressive how quickly the 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 ursula person got into makeup you know, assuming there's yeah. no editing going on here, like, you know, I don't know how long off screen she was, but like her, you know, from the neck up was all painted purple. Yeah. And like, it, it's, it's funny watching, uh, plays like this where it's like you look at Ahmed's army and it's like, oh, <laughs> there's Aladdin. Um, yeah. 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 It's, it's the same actors being reused in multiple roles. Yeah. Yeah, it's just, I mean, of, of course, like, that's how it has to be. It's just uh, funny to notice it. Yeah, yeah, there's, there's like, a dozen performers, and they're cycling through different roles, except Jafar, he, yeah. he's only Jafar, because he's the main one. Yeah, and they need they need to keep that beard yeah. in one place. Yeah. <laughs> I, I imagine it's not super easy to uh, stick that on and back off and make it look decent. Yeah. Yeah, like, I, I think, like, the part at the end where he becomes a genie, I think they must have just used, like, lighting to make his face look more red. Yeah, I think so. Because they didn't have time to, you know, apply the full makeup for that. Yeah, or it might have just been the all-around lighting uh, with his, uh, uh, again, oh, the weird uh, genie padded suit. Yeah. Um... I I almost forgot my favorite line, which is where uh, Jafar is having a heart to heart talk with Jasmine, yeah. and uh, he says, uh, he, "He's like, that's how princes work. They get you alone and isolated, and then they whip it out. They whip out their song. A song is just a dick in sheep's clothing. Yeah, <laughs> which is one of the funniest things I've ever heard. Yeah, and then he like starts singing uh, a song about it. You know, it's like whenever a song happens, yeah. a dick is about to come out, and then the <laughs> captain of the yeah, guard comes out while he's singing the song about it. A song is a dick in sheep's clothing. Yeah, it's like Jafar. I have news. Why is it that every time you show up, it's always bad news? He's like, it's not bad. Oh, news. it's not bad news this time. Oh, thank goodness. It's horrible, horrible news. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, was that the one with, I think, with the parade? It just started happening. Yeah. <laughs> telling him, like, yeah, yeah, but... yeah, this, you know, weird prince showed up and, uh, is, like, parading through the streets and yeah, no permits and, yeah, chaos. And then, yeah, and then, like, Aladdin shows up as a prince and goes to Jasmine and she's like, Aladdin, like, how the fuck did you recognize me? It is you. You're just wearing different clothes. <laughs> right. <laughs> And it's the same with, you know, when Jafar sees him, he's like, it, yeah, it's him. He's just wearing different clothes. It's like, this isn't and a they, disguise. And, like, they they mention, like, one of my 
few genuine criticisms of the movie is where she's like, wait, so were you were you lying when you said you were a poor uh, beggar who steals, or were you lying when you said you're a prince? Um, because, like, in the movie, it's unclear. Like, does she know that they're both the same person? I guess not. Mm. So, like, this relationship that they they sparked when uh, he helped her evade the guards and the one where like he's a prince and he's taking her on the carpet like it's it's two diff- completely different people mm. in her head um, and it's kind of weird in context yeah yeah like, it's like also there, f- there's a lot of nitpicky stuff that it's also funny you know, like people toward toward the end uh, when you know Aladdin is like you know gone full heel turn he's got like a sword pointed at jasmine and he's demanding jafar give him the lamp and jafar is like no don't hurt her i love her and then aladdin goes she's like half your age man you're total pedo (laughs) and and he's previously said that she is a 16 year old princess and he's a 33 year old orphan so she's half his age too (laughs) (laughs) but i guess jafar would actually be like three times or well yeah something yeah yeah, but still and then he's like no you you fucking idiot stop thinking with your dick i love her like a daughter yeah oh yeah because in that in that scene where he talks about the songs and dicks yeah uh he's like oh jasmine you tried to poison me you only do that when you want to talk yeah Uh, it, it's it's really good. Like we're just we're kind of just talking about going all through the highlights, funny bits now. Yeah, yeah. but even the, even but, you but, know, there's so many things to pick up. You know, multiple viewings. I just keep picking up on like new lines and jokes and references and things that connect to other things within the context of this own play. Yeah, I I like the fact that um, they think they can solve the problem with Ahmed by. Uh, with her marrying Aladdin because they think he's like the most powerful prince in the area. Yeah, yeah. He showed up so with this he, parade, and they think he has an This army. is all your fault, Jafar. If you hold more parades, then <laughs> I, I I love the captain. Uh, he might be my favorite, just like minor gag character. Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, I, I, even at the end, yeah, where he's like. Uh, don't you don't mean you princess? Mean princess? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah anyway, like like the part yeah. of like the first scene with him where he's just you know recontextualizing the whole chase with Aladdin. He's like one of the guards fell down, <laughs> broke his neck. Uh, you know the guy who sleeps on the bed of nails? He's dead now. Fat guy fell on him. <laughs> fat guard. Fat guard fell on. Yeah. Him. yeah. The sword swallower got his throat slit up. Uh, monkey pulled the sword right out of his mouth. <laughs> and yeah, and then it's like, and then we there all fell into the cart of shit. shit. Two of them drowned in shit. <laughs> and then, okay, and then one, and of, one, one of them stumbles and he's not quite shit. dead. And he's like, did, did we yeah. get the loaf of bread back? Yes, yes, you can rest now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, and he, he says the line, all this for a loaf of bread. Yeah. Because uh, that, that's a line Aladdin says when he's running away from the guards. Yeah. Uh, 
there's a lot of yeah although in this one it's like you know he gets the loaf of bread and he too. takes the bite and like raisins i hate raisins and he goes and like threatens to kill <laughs> yeah. the shopkeeper if he doesn't make bread without raisins for him to steal next time yeah uh, i'm gonna tell all my thief friends about you <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and that and that the moment at the end when Aladdin flips, you know, that the act, the face acting on that guy is just so good. Yeah. It's like a blend of Willem Dafoe, Jim Carrey, and Jack Nicholson, just on his like <laughs> evil, twisted what version a... of himself, uh, explaining yeah. to his. He has like a schizophrenic split thing where he's like explaining to himself like no i killed our parents because they were gonna throw us out of the house because i'm a 33 year old jobless deadbeat um yeah we don't want that so we killed them and now i need the lamp because i'm the uh, best at wishing for things can wish for anything and they they bring aladdin full circle uh well we didn't really talk about uh, Jafar's ending, did we? Uh, Where, um, not quite. I mean, yeah, because he, you know, he they, they changed the... We, we didn't really talk about the emotional... Uh, well, we haven't even talked about, like, the whole plot, really, about... Yeah. You know, it, it's Aladdin, but with twists that, I guess, broad strokes, Jafar is a guy who genuinely wants to make society better for people he you know we see in a flashback he believes in the golden rule of like, respecting people and they'll respect you back um and then he you know got his job at the sultan and the sultan stole his wife and uh, he just became like more cynical over time but he still really wants to help people but the people are just so fucking stupid uh and also they blame him for everything because he's an easy scapegoat um so yeah. So then Aladdin is a street rat who is this just sociopath who is, you know, just causing problems because he can, because he wants to. Uh, and he's horny for the princess. Um, and then also Prince Ahmed, the, the prince who was, you know, got his ass scratched by a tiger, uh, goes back to his kingdom and wants to, his kingdom of Pixar, because this is a magic kingdom, Pixar, you know, meta thing. Um, he wants to march his kingdom back to take over Agrabah by force, or the magic kingdom by force. Um, and then, uh, Jafar gets the lamp and, um, has like a sequence where he sees other villains from other Disney movies who are all reflecting like different conflicts with him and they all have their own recontextualizations there's like Ursula in this version was a good and fair leader but her misogynist brother Triton took over and cast her out um get you know Scar wanted to fix the division between lions and hyenas but Mufasa didn't want any of that so Scar took the opportunity and killed him for the greater good um Gaston saw this girl who he liked who'd been taken by this weird monster beast and for some reason she fell in love with him and that just doesn't seem healthy um and so that that one other, has a point <laughs> yeah like all these other villains are you know singing uh this song and then you know corella comes in and says, i just wanted a coat made of puppies and everyone's like what the <laughs> fuck is like, wrong with you get the wrong. fuck out of here you <laughs> fucking freak um so, yeah so then jafar gets the lamp um he 
makes you know wish to be um, the sultan so he can you know try to fix things and then Ahmed and his army show up so he wishes to become a sorcerer so he can use the his powers to fight off these armies um, and then uh, oh and I love the delivery on like one of when he's like throwing one of them off the stage the guy's like my skin is melting <laughs> just, <laughs> the delivery on it is so funny um, but yeah so he's using his sorcerer powers to stop them and then Aladdin is revealed to be you know the utter bastard that he's always been um but you know finally jasmine can see it too um and he's like threatening her and he wants the lamp and then jafar says i'll give you the lamp just you know give her back you know i want her to be safe um and then before he hands it over he's like i'm gonna make one final wish i want to become the genie i will set the previous genie free so i can be the genie so they changed that you know moment so that he can be the one who frees the genie but also you know have that moment from the end where he becomes the genie and so he becomes the genie aladdin runs off scared and jafar gives the lamp to jasmine and says i you can make three wishes to you know fix everything and so she wishes um i think like to be the sultan and um I, I can't remember. I don't, her third she, wish is the she tries to say, "I wish you didn't have to go." Now that we're finally connecting emotionally, I, and he's like, "I, I, I think have to." Her first, I think her first wish is that there's a way to oh yeah to peacefully stop the army and the the conflict with Ahmed. Yeah. Um, her her second wish is that there's a sultan who cares for the people. Hmm. And her uh, yeah, third and the third one. She is... tries to wish for him, I yeah. guess, to be ungeniefied because she doesn't want him to go. But he's like, I can't. I'm the genie. That that's not how it works. So she wishes him every happiness, and then he grants the wishes. And then suddenly, it turns out uh, the treasure of Alibaba has been discovered, and she uses that to pay off Ahmed and uh, buy out Pixar. Um, well, insisting that he must bring back the two Ds. Uh, which, you know, actually didn't happen. Oh but, boy, that happened. Um, and then, uh, yeah, then we see um, Jafar living in the lamp now in this, you know, shitty, shitty living space. And uh, Which they... Oh, they referenced going. that earlier in the... Yeah, I didn't notice at first that yeah. earlier in the play, you know, when he's like talking to Scheherazade, uh, that he... You know, they're like dreaming of having like an itty bitty living space together, and right. uh, and then she's taken away. You just and think like, that's a reference. Yeah, she's, like she's <laughs> taken away, and then but she dies, and then be foreshadowing. Yeah, like she comes back to life in living in the lamp with him because he was wished every happiness, and you know, you know, he wants to be with her, but also, you know, because this isn't a bastard of a character, like, he is worried, like, when he sees her, like, I, you're gonna be stuck here forever, too, but, you know, she's, she's down for it, like, she loves him, he loves her, uh, it's, you know, just a really touching moment of them together, and then, uh, then they're like, she explains that the reason the genie's doing all these stupid references is because the lamp can see anywhere in time and space so then they peek in on aladdin and see that he's become yeah, i like this part the narrator from the start of the movie uh, and he's just like hawking yeah. secondhand goods and he's 
total loser. Uh, and he is yeah, so killed it, by a thief in his 55th year over a loaf of bread. Yeah, it it all comes back around where uh, Twisted is a, a version of Aladdin where, uh, you know, Jafar is the hero and Aladdin is the villain. Yeah. At the end, they, they make it where this version of Aladdin is actually telling the story of the movie Aladdin where he is the hero and Jafar is the villain. Yeah. So it... it wraps in on itself yeah yeah and then yeah and then they have the, you know the big kiss and they do the the vocalizing thing from the end of uh aladdin but it's you know over you know the heroes of this story um and it's, it's just really good yep it is really good everyone should watch it yeah especially since it's free yeah yep it's on youtube uh Twisted, the untold story of a royal vizier by Team Starkid. Yep, and I kind of want to watch some of the other ones now, mm. um, because even if they're only half as good, yeah, they would still be very good. Yeah, like I'm not sure which one to start with because there's there's a bunch. I kind of just want to start from the oldest ones. Mm. Um, like I think they had like. Actually, Harry I, Potter, yeah, no, because the I think the, Star Wars, parodies. yeah, the first one they did was like Potter the musical, and then the the text on you know like the description box on Twisted it mentioned Potter the musical <clears throat> and it mentioned Holy Musical Batman, and uh, actually I should <laughs> see if that Batman one's on there because that sounds fun. Yeah, that one. Not the Harry Potter. I don't even know I, that much about Harry yeah, Potter. Yeah, so. I you know, never really cared that much about Potter. I know there's a Star Wars one, so okay. that one might be fun. Yeah. Um, I think I think it's Annie the Musical. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. like A and R. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Uh, which which might be funny. I I don't know if it's like a story mashup of Annie um, with well. Like Maybe. like uh, yeah. the orphan Annie with Star Wars. Yeah, I don't know because Twisted it's like the the kind of kind of the premise of Wicked, but applied to a different story. Right. Um, I <laughs> like I saw that and I didn't get it. Like because it was it was recommended uh, the second time I watched uh, Twisted. Mm. I was like Annie the musical. Like oh, I get it. It's a Star Wars thing. And then, like, I finished, I finished the movie, and I saw it again. I was like, "Oh, I get it." Yeah, yeah, like Annie the orphan. Yeah, little orphan Annie. Yeah, which I guess Anakin's also an orphan. So yeah, hmm, just like Aladdin. It's like a poem. It rhymes. <laughs> You're not wrong. Uh, so yeah, that's it. Twisted is really good. Yep, it's really funny. It's really heartfelt. You might cry. I didn't, but I was close. Yeah. One or two times. Yeah. There, I mean, you would cry if you weren't yeah, laughing like, so much. Yeah. There, there's, like, it's not sad or even, like, super sappy. Yeah. But there's there's just, like, three or four, like, lines that hit like a truck. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I mean, like, like the whole flashback the, thing with Sherazad is, you know, goofy as it is, it is still, like, heartbreaking having them, taken, yeah. you know, torn apart like that. 
I, I think the first line that got me was, uh, I, I, it might have been in the Twisted song, where, uh, no, or it might have been like the the end of the flashback song. Mm. Um, he he's, he says something like, "Well, I I was good enough for her to believe in me, so I must be pretty great." Which, uh, like, damn, mm. <laughs> like that that line hits hard after seeing what we just saw. Yeah, um, and the part at the end where uh, Jasmine. His, her third wish is to wish him just wish that he's happy yeah even yeah I, I wish you every happiness together. yeah mm. yes so like it's not super like sappy or sad it's just there's a few lines that yeah. um, will get you they'll sneak up on you yeah like moments of human connection yeah um it's fucking good. Mm. <laughs> I I hope some of the other ones can live up. Like I would hate if like the the first one uh, I watched was like the best, and all the other ones are just okay. Yeah, I mean, I, I, part of it probably also will have to do with your connection to the source material, but yeah, still. Yeah, I, I still kind of wish I'd watched this after watching Aladdin. Because mm. I'll, I'll just be thinking about, like, oh, they made fun of that in the in the play. Yeah, yeah. I mean, even, you know, this like, one of the things in the flashback, when he first meets Sherazad, she's, you know, a, a guy cuts her ear off, and she's, uh, like, they cut off my ear because they didn't like my face. Jafar, that's barbaric. Hey, it's home. Uh, which is a reference to the original theatrical version of the opening song, um, where the there was a line where they cut off your ear if they don't like your face, it's barbaric, but hey, it's home. Uh, and then they changed it in the VHS version to where it's vast and immense and the heat is intense, but it's barbaric, but hey, it's home. Um, and then they changed it again in the live action version because both of those versions are still like really harsh on uh, Middle Eastern culture. Right. But they they took out the part of like people injuring each other and just changed it to ah it's really fucking hot out there and it sucks. And then I, I the hey, the live action same. version changed it to something like the I I don't remember the line it's like there's so many different people it's chaotic but hey it's home. Which you know isn't a, like a judgment yeah. call, as opposed to calling it barbaric. To yeah, you know. like they 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 changed a lot about cutting off ears. Like that's fine. You still called it barbaric. Though. Yeah. Like yeah, yeah. So they you like, know they, hey, they look, make a like, joking reference to that line in this play. Yeah. yeah, I didn't know that one. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, that's what I found out about just from, like, internet trivia, because, you know, I'd only seen the VHS version. Yeah, I, I've i seen the VHS version many a time, mm. but not in the past ten years. <laughs> no, because now there's a DVD version and a streaming version. Yeah, I'm going to go with the streaming version, because I already paid the money for yeah. it. Yeah, I mean, I, I have the DVDs of my favorites, so, uh, you know, I've got the Aladdin trilogy. And Mouse Detective. I, I watched forget. the DVD, because I had the DVD. 
Nice. I I can't believe in the DVD extras they show the full uh, stripping mouse stripping scene. Uh, I didn't watch the bonus features, so it's possible. No. Well, now you have to watch it. Watch the so you can see the mouse titties. Mm. Yeah, I know the the DVD is called the Mystery in the Mist edition, uh, which I guess is just the the most recent DVD edition. Because and I looked up, I guess. The Great Mouse Detective originally came out and was called The Great Mouse Detective, and then it got a theatrical re-release in, like, 1992, where they changed the title card to be The Adventures of The Great Mouse Detective, and then for this DVD edition that I have, they switched the title card back to the original. The Adventures of The Great Mouse Detective is too long. Yeah. Uh, yeah, kind of awkward to I, say. I, I don't know if maybe they just wanted a more fun-sounding title. Like the first title's good, but I don't know they they wanted to pep it up or something. Like even calling it Plus the Great Mouse Detective adventure. was a Michael Eisner thing because it was supposed to be called uh, Basil of Baker Street, but he was like, "That sounds too British. Uh, we we need to, you know, I, mean, I don't know, Americanize it more or something." So call it Great Mouse yeah. Detective. I mean that that honestly just uh, it does sound kind of plain um, for, but I mean there's a lot of like the fox and the hound also does yeah but its reputation uh, its quality speaks for its uh, speaks for itself rather than the name mm. um, I think with our two audio bits combined this will be yeah a we're like two and a half hours. <laughs> I mean, we've we've had a string of long ones yeah. recently. I feel like yeah, we got like two and a half hours, and I haven't even talked about the new Brandon Sanderson book that I read. Well, now you can read it again and talk about it next time. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it was good. It's it's more of a romance than uh, he usually does, which I know is oh. a thing segments of his audience really want. I was yeah, on. I mean, I I like the book. Okay, it's fine. Um. Uh, I mean, why not? I'm editing, and else decide if they want to listen to a three-hour podcast. Uh, the, the book it's called "You Mean the Nightmare Painter." <laughs> um, it's uh, about uh, I don't know where where to start with what it's because it like three quarters of the way through the book, it explains you know in sequence what's actually going on, um, but. The way it starts off, there's these two characters. There's Yumi, and there's... I got the book right here. I can look up what his name is. There's a character... He he refers to himself as Painter, because that's his job. But, um... He's got a, another name. I don't know. Like And, like, Yumi's whole thing, it's, like, inspired by ancient Korean culture, and Painter's culture is more based on, like, modern Japanese. So there's a very Asian kind of feel to the whole thing um yumi is a girl who uh so that they're on what appears to be separate worlds um yumi yumi's a girl whose birth was heralded by a falling star and so she's got the power to speak to spirits which is important in their culture because the spirits will grant them blessings in the form of you know kind of like technology they can ask the spirits like 
please give me the power to make my house levitate or something, and that's important for, you know, this. it's like a sci-fi fantasy thing. Um, and, you know, there's a whole Cosmere explanation of where her powers came from, but that's not super important. Um, so she has been, like, set apart in her society, and it has to, you know, almost like a monk-like existence. She's got, like, servants who feed her, so that she can free her mind to focus on like meditation and uh the the way she calls the spirits is by like stacking these like piles of stones in ways that the spirits find really interesting and it draws them out and then she can ask them for the you know requests that people need uh and she's got this like really overbearing attendant who's you know always like reminding her to, of her duty and stuff um painter live oh and also her world it's like always like brightly sunny you know like it, it it's very bright contrasted with painter's world which is always overcast and raining um and he lives in like more of a modern city with a fantasy bend to it they have heon lines which are like electricity that you know they can do basically modern technology stuff um and his job is that he he is a nightmare painter because there are these nightmares that will manifest out of the shroud which is like the darkness that covers everything and they'll like try to attack people and nightmare painters you know will confront them and paint an image and basically through force of will and imagination turn the nightmares into harmless objects um so he discovers a very powerful nightmare tries to turn it into some bamboo it runs off he goes to warn people but then he passes out and at the same time yumi is uh you know here is like a spirit asking her for help and she agrees to help it and she passes out and then that forces like a magical connection between the two of them so that whenever we see in yumi's world it's painter controlling her body and having to do her duties and stuff and she's like a ghost following him around and you know kind of freaking out until she can get him to you know follow the rules and do stuff right um and then in his world she is in his body except because she has so much magic power she basically and when people see when people see him in her body they see her when people see her in his body they also see her because the magic basically reshapes the body to look like her um so everyone in his world is kind of like confused about like well where where did he go and who are you and what are you doing in this house have you ever seen your name no but brandon does mention that in the epilogue as one of the inspirations for this okay that that makes sense because it it's it's a romance where they switch bodies yeah and uh the one of the twists is that they switch bodies uh over time yeah um so like they they're not i i they're like a few years apart from each other yeah like this one he mentions your name is a big inspiration but the thing he wanted to do differently is he wanted the two people who's who are body swapping to be able to interact with each other so the other one exists as like a ghost who can only be seen by the one who's controlling the body when they're in their you know separate worlds 
so they like are able to like speak and communicate and that's like where the romance starts to happen of them like learning about each other and learning about the struggles they're going through and and stuff um and then where it all comes together is so like they're trying to figure out like what was the cause of this and what is it we need to fix what was it the spirits were asking for help about and so in yumi's world these scholars show up who have this like rudimentary machine that's designed to replace the girls who are magical and stack rocks by having a machine that just stacks rocks and it doesn't stack them as good but it does stack them well enough that the spirits will appear and then it basically like sucks up enough of the spirit to keep itself going while using the rest of the spirit to like charge energy stuff um and so they determine like oh we need to destroy this machine because it's a threat to the spirits and that's you know what what we've been bonded over and then things get like crazy as it starts explaining what's really going on which is that uh yumi's uh, so also there's there's another like planet and there's this thing on like uh, because painter's planet is more technologically advanced they're saying like oh we're about to send a spaceship to go explore the new planet so painter assumes oh that must be yumi's planet up there because it looks brighter than our planet um and then the ship gets there and it, it's a completely different planet it was a red herring because um, yumi and painter are actually from the same planet and yumi like they think at first like oh maybe it's time travel and they're told no time travel doesn't work uh you can't do it um but it kind of is time travel because Yumi is from the ancient past, but she is so magically powerful that she has continued existing for 1700 years um, as basically a ghost. Like the So the thing with the machine in the ancient past, the machine was activated and it basically did like a full metal alchemist sucked up everybody's souls because it didn't determine human souls from the spirits it just like sucked everyone up and it's been like spewing smoke into the sky ever since and that's where the shroud comes from and the nightmares are like Mm -hmm. residual versions of some of like the corrupted spirits from that time um but the magical girls were so magical that the spirit or the, the, the machine couldn't contain them, so the best it could do was create these, like, virtual realities for each of the 14 of them. We only ever see Yumi, though. Um, and basically, it, like, wipes their memories every day, so they're just reliving the same day over and over, and they don't think any time has passed from the day when the machine was activated, and it, you know, changed the world. It, it kind of destroyed the world, but people survived and were able to keep building and because of the energy the machine was making they were able to create all this new technology um so the machine in the present day decides it needs to kill painter in his entire city to stop the world from finding out about you know like the, the machine it's like an evil ai except it's just following the commands it was given uh which is like to protect itself and perpetuate itself um and it, you know, to protect it's the, the evil AI story. It, it's like you, it was told to protect itself. It decides it's going to kill everyone to do that, um, and so it can keep going. It can keep stacking its rocks, and 
trying to you know call up spirits it like at this point it's been doing its job for so long it keeps repairing itself with spirits but once yumi is able you know in her like present ghost form because you know she's like a, a ghost kind of she she stacks rocks well enough to distract all the spirits away from the machine the machine just falls apart because it was only being held together with magic at that point so um, it's your name wally 51st dates yeah yeah and then yumi because the, mach- so the machine breaks down the shroud dissipates the nightmares go away um and also painter realized oh these nightmares are actually like formerly people so like the reason they couldn't trap them in like by turning them into bamboo is because they're actually people who are just like the, their memories are gone so they had to you know paint them as people to try to bring them back to themselves and so they get to be themselves before they fade away as the machine shuts down uh and yumi fades away and it's like sad but then there's a second epilogue you know there's like the first epilogue like oh no yumi has to go away and they're talking about you know sad endings and stuff and then uh there's a second epilogue where a painter's like no i don't want her to go and basically wills her back to existence um and yeah and yeah so then they're together and they get to run the noodle shop that was uh being run by there's a whole subplot of there's this character hoyd who shows up in like all the cosmere books he's like a bit part but he's actually you know, very important to the larger overstory. So he was here on this world, but he, when he got here, the machine tried to steal his soul and his, like, security protocols kicked in and it just turned him... He was, like, frozen there for three years. So so Design, who is a, a cryptic spirit from one of the other books who's been following him around, um, took the form of a busty lady and decided to run a noodle shop and use him as a coat hanger while waiting for him to unfreeze. Um, so Painter and Yumi take over that um, noodle shop while Hoyd and Design steal a spaceship and fly away in it. So, yeah, I don't know. It, it was a fun book. Nice. Cute. I'm curious to see, I think, the four... Well, I don't know. I like Tress of the Emerald Sea, which was the first book. So that one's probably my favorite one so far, but the fourth one's also got potential when that comes out in October. How many books are there in this series right now? Uh, in the Cosmere as a whole? or Yeah. Um, let me see if this book mentions at the start. Uh, it does. Okay. So, not counting novellas or should we count novellas i guess they're technically Uh, books they were they're small books um yeah okay so stormlight archive there are four of them right now there's going to be 10 by the end of it um (laughs) there are two novellas for stormlight archives that's six total mistborn has had um a trilogy a novella and then a quadrilogy so that's another so okay I'll, I'll count them up after um no those are not related um okay there's side novels they're full novels but they're and they're in the cosmere but they're not you know there's only one of each so far elantris warbreaker tress of the emerald sea um 
and then there's a short story collection, Arcanum Unbounded, and there's a graphic novel of White Sand, which was a book that it was it it's not as good of a book, so he didn't bother to turn it into a full novel. He just had the script turned into a graphic novel, like adapted. Cool. Um, so that makes one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, um, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen. 18 for counting this one um and then 19 for white sand 20 for the short story collection so yeah there's like 20 books so far um stormlight is at four books of the 10 that are going to come out mistborn has had its first trilogy and the second trilogy that was supposed to just be a one-off but it turned into four books and it's got two more trilogies still. Um, and then there's the Dragonsteel series. I don't know when that's coming out. That's the one that has like Hoyd's backstory and uh, the origins of how this all the Adenalsium stuff started. So it's pretty big and I hope he finishes it in his lifetime. I know he's aware that he needs to uh, do a certain amount of books and think he's he's got like some other authors who are maybe going to be helping him to uh try to hit all of that he should get george r, r. martin to help him he's very prolific mm. yeah i mean that you know because like, sanderson is the one who finished off the wheel of time series after robert jordan died using robert jordan's notes so yeah like he you know he's seen what happens when you know an author of a sprawling fantasy series dies before uh, it is finished? I mean, I guess the you know like Tolkien was writing other stories, but he did finish the important ones. And yeah, Martin is kind of in a bad spot where he's so tied up with TV shows that he still hasn't finished the books that everybody's waiting for him to finish. Yeah, he he's kind of to the point where, um, like, he feels the pressure to get it done, but he he at least acts like he doesn't yeah. care. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, he's he's got a prequel show now, uh, House of the Dragon. Right. So money's still coming in, but right. I mean, uh, you know, like Brandon at least is the type of author who you know he can keep himself to a schedule. Yeah, uh, you know, he gets things out pretty consistently and he spent the pandemic writing these four books that he didn't even plan to write just because he had the extra time because he wasn't doing conventions so he's a writer who loves writing so much that even if he's got time off he's still writing yeah see like just, just the just the amount of it it reminds me of, like one piece or berserk where like one piece has been going for like 30 years mm. and the the author is like oh yeah i have a plan to finish it yeah but i'm not gonna say exactly how long <laughs> is, is left yeah like the first book um, that came out was elantris yeah. and that was 2007 and it still feels like we're in the early stages. Like, Mistborn, I guess, is like halfway through its story, because he's done two sagas, uh, or a trilogy and a four-parter, and then there's two more. And Stormlight is about to go to the fifth book, which 
it's it's ten books total. It's two five book cycles. So that I guess we're about halfway into the story, but I mean at this point it's still not really clear what it's building up to in the larger sense. You know, like the various worlds of these different stories are starting to like cross over more and become more connected and it's building toward space age technology where you know people from the planets will be able to fly to the other planets either using magic or magitech or you know whatever means to you know, become more connected and thereby more threatened by it's you know like there might be like an interstellar war or something that happens when these planets come into conflict especially you saying it might the, be some kind of star war I guess, yeah, because the, and there's the added element of, um, Adonalsium was some kind of ancient godlike being who was shattered into 16 pieces, uh, and Hoyd was there when that happened, and, um, but he didn't take one of the shards. You know, 16 other people took the 16 shards that each represented different aspects of this god, and, um, they traveled around the galaxy, I guess, or universe. I don't know how big the scale is, but different planets have different god entities that are these shards of Adonalsium. And some of them, like in the thing with Yumi getting her powers, it's because of a splinter of the shard Virtuosity who, I guess, at some point in the past decided to splinter themselves into pieces rather than exist as, you know, a conscious being. And those are, like, the comets that are traveling around that star system and granting magic to people. Um, huh. Yeah, like, Stormlight has three. There, there was Honor, Cultivation, and Odium. Honor died... I, I think Odium destroyed it. Because Odium is, like, super hatred. It, it's, like, the, the most evil of all the shards is in the Stormlight series, because it's part of that planetary system. And Cultivation's been, like, playing the long game of, you know, trying to undermine Odium. Um, and then on, like, Mistborn, there was Ruin and Preservation. And then at the end of the first trilogy, both of the, the people who possessed those shards died. And this one guy from the books got both of them and combined them into Harmony, which so he was like the god of harmony for the second trilogy. The of but then at the end of that trilogy, he became Discord because he was starting to fall out of sync <gasps> with himself. So Discord. now there's now there's a god of Discord, no relation to the software or the My Little Pony character. I don't know if you heard me whispering. Uh, I heard you whispering, Harmony. Element, the elements of harmony. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. 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 Because yeah. yeah. he, he goes from harmony to discord, and I don't know if that's actually supposed to be my, my Little Pony reference or not. Um, but, you know, we'll, we'll see when the next Mistborn trilogy kicks off what... Uh, we'll, we'll see when the moon goddess Luna arrives. Yeah, what... Dis I mean, I guess the moon goddess Luna was in... In the fourth book of the second trilogy, Autonomy, the spirit in charge of the White Sand Planet, tried to send an army to go attack the Mistborn Planet. And they were, you know, they shut off the portal so that they couldn't, the army couldn't come through. But uh, some of the people on that world are now aware of uh, threats from other worlds. 
So, yeah, I don't know. How, it, how it's do, a big series. There's track. a lot of stuff going on. I just don't entirely know what it's building up to. Yeah, I mean, it It doesn't, like, just from how you uh, talk about it, it doesn't seem to be well-structured in, like, a, a you know, straight-line narrative sense. Yeah. It, it seems to be like he's just uh, establishing a lot of, uh, you know, world building, and then he might yeah go back and do something big. Yeah, down the line. yeah. Like there isn't really an overstory currently. There's characters who are aware of things going on in the other series, but there isn't a, any clear sense that it is building to something larger yet. Like each of the series is still contained enough that it's like story about characters and also there's some cosmic forces in the background that are connected to the other cosmic forces in the background of the other stories hmm. but I think once we get Hoyd's story in Dragonsteel that'll be you know I think he's waiting to to write that until um, you know things are far enough along that we can get Find out how it all, you know, get the Metal Gear Solid 3 of this is where it all started, and now we can start moving toward how it all ends. Uh, that's interesting. I probably still won't read it, but yeah. <laughs> it is interesting. Well, yeah, I mean, it, it's it, it's a, a just a big universe of fantasy books, and the nerds can pick apart. Like At, at first, Brandon didn't even want to really acknowledge the connections between them, but as the internet became more of a thing then you know people started comparing notes and finding that oh yeah this this is probably this person and this is connected to that and um and then he's been more open about exploring that now because we can see that people can keep up yeah. like they can I mean, just Google i guess it. as a writer that's a lot of baggage to keep up with yeah i mean we've had this conversation before but like you know, if you want to tell a story, then tell a story. Um, and if you want to world build like a, a huge, um, you know, contiguous world, then do that too. Yeah. But just don't, you know, don't do one and turn it into the other. Like people try to force the Zelda timeline. Mm. Yeah, I mean, this one is it is a you know, connected world with characters crossing over, um, but also yeah. it is trying to. F- keep focused enough that if you only read one series you can still enjoy that series and right you know it'll just be like the odd like oh that's weird there's a person from another world here wonder what that's about and you know if you feel like then reading elantris to find out what an elantrian is and what what that's all about then go for it if not then yeah whatever it's you know it's it's like when you're reading marvel comics and they're not building up to a big, I guess, you know, maybe bad comparison. They, you know, have so much crossover at this point that it's a mess to keep up with anything. But, yeah, you know, but hypothetically, that, that's, if that's you're reading problem. the comics and then like, oh, and then the Hulk is here for this one issue of Spider-Man, then, yeah, that it's just another weird and wild character he ran into. Yeah, and like, that's my problem with, uh, like, the recent MCU and you know comic books in general. Yeah, uh, yeah. The comic book like, this started like, off as like just they, like, hey, wouldn't it be fun if this character cameoed in your thing? And and then it just became so heavy on crossover events that it's kind of derailed yeah. a lot of 
ongoing solo stories. Yeah, it's it's like they they want to tell a story, but they like you know for the brand they have to shove in all the uh, um, cameos or crossovers. Mm. Um, but they don't really mesh well, <laughs> so it it feels like a mess. It's like, you know, at least with Guardians of the Galaxy, it's like they can tell their own story. They don't have to, um, even though it's kind of screwed up with Infinity War, but we can ignore that for now. Yeah, and I mean, at Uh, least Thor Love and Thunder came out first, so they were able to get Thor off the ship before Guardians 3. Yeah. So we didn't have to deal with, you know, now Thor is here. What do we do with that? Yeah, it's like there's just so much baggage that it gets in the way of telling, like, a a straightforward story. Um, Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, the blip has definitely, you know, messed up everything after Endgame of having to acknowledge and do something with, you know, half the universe having left and come back five years later. Yeah, like, it's such a specific type of event to... That there's no getting around it. Yeah. Um, and so wide-reaching that it literally affects everywhere. Yeah, everywhere in the universe in was universe. affected by it. Yeah. Like, the only place that wasn't affected was when they go outside the universe and, like, TVA. Yeah, um, I mean, like, possibly the... Mi- I don't know, the microverse never really made mention of it in Quantumania. Uh, although, I guess, yeah, the, the microverse wouldn't have been affected... Because like Ant Man was down there, and nothing right. happened. Yeah, I guess it technically counts as a different wor- world. Yeah. Or, or he maybe he just didn't get blipped. I don't know. Yeah. Or maybe it was affected, and they never came back, and that's why there's so few characters on screen in the big action scenes they have in Quantumania. They just have, like, big open CGI backgrounds. Maybe half the Kangs got erased. Mm. And there's still just that many. Maybe. I don't know. I mean, Kang had erased every version of him except for He Who Remains, and then splintering the timeline brought all of them back. Yeah, I I know the timeline of that doesn't really line up. Uh, I'm just just throwing out the bullshit. Yeah, no. Um, now there's, we've been going for over three. Yeah, we need to wrap up. I need to get food. Yeah, I'm, I've got to go do dog things. The dog hasn't gone out in over three hours. Yeah. Okay. So, in conclusion, go watch Twisted. That's all. Yeah. Go watch Oliver and Company. Mm. Yeah, I might. Um, uh, I I'll like either it. watch that or that Batman musical. Oh. Do, watch, the, watch the Batman musical. You've already seen Oliver and Company. Mm. Or do both. It's up to you. I, I'm not in charge of your time. Yep. Yep. I'm hitting stop. That's the worst way to end a podcast. <laughs>